Hey, Mike Kozak, what caliber <laughs> pistol are you carrying? Uh, besides these fists, <laughs> is a fist a legal form of weaponry? Are you packing a magnum? Because if if you're if you're smuggling a hog, you should check out the Allegiance Holsters Mankini. <laughs> but if you, if you if you have a subcompact nine millimeter like Mike Kozak, here, my little fist, me and Trump, we got these small hands. <laughs> get get yourself an inside the waistband holster from AllegianceHolsters.com and use code TNW10 at checkout to save yourself a little bit of shipping. Yeah, and then we'll uh, talk about our best friend Tyler Stanaway and Vanessa Stanaway, who run the Compassionate Viking podcast, and I think you, their website is compassionateviking.com, dot com. Mm-hmm. And they're up to so much fascinating shit. I don't even know how where to start. If you want a kid that's cool yeah. that knows how to identify forestry. Plants. Foraging foods. Yeah, which which plants he can eat, which ones will get high, growing. which animals. No, <laughs> no, not for your kids. <laughs> high on the spirit, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, but just uh, the diversity of things that they do, it, it's yeah. out of control. They're, they're it's just, cool. They're just fascinating I wish I went people. to their camp I as know, a kid. I know, right? Uh, CompassionateViking.com. And then finally, we've got my own training Northwest here in Granite Falls, Washington. And if you're watching world events, you might want to start thinking about taking care of your own safety and security. I always like to say uh, Maslow's triangles, Maslow's triangle or pyramid hierarchy of needs. The base of the pyramid is food, water, shelter, and safety. So if you can't provide your own safety, do you really have the other three? And given current events, you might want to start taking matters into your own hands. Come see us for a Firearms course, you can find those at trainingnorthwestllc.com. The 2024 schedule will be released in January. And until then, you can always book a private range session. Get a hold of me at trainingnorthwest at protonmail.com. Hey, say I want to buy a optic. Ooh, like from Vortex? Yeah. Hey, it, we're a dealer. Is there a way I could also, like, I don't know, put it on my gun and try and zero it? Yes, there is. All right, yeah, and I'm glad you said that because I forgot about it. Um, we are a Vortex Optics dealer, and if you are local here, uh, if you buy an optic from us, you get a free range session to come out, get it zeroed on your gun, because we do believe in readiness, and I don't want you guys to have a brand new optic sitting on the shelf because you didn't get a chance to get to the range and get it zeroed. Um, I think that's all the promos. <laughs> Good job, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. What do we? This. This is. This might go down as my favorite episode to date. This was a very good one. We Sweet. had our we had our good friend Christy on. Yep. Christy, you want to say a little hi on the intro? What's up, guys? There we go. There she, there she is herself. Uh, I mean, we talked about, I mean, life. Yeah. Just the, how to the live evils life. of social media, the seasons of your life, kind of discovering who you are and how, and then we tied it all together with how social media can affect that. Yep. I mean, I, I it's... You have to let this is one of those ones that's like you gotta this is ear candy, as yeah. I like to say. Yeah. Ear candy. Ear candy. Get Put yourself, it in there. Yeah. Get yeah. yourselves an edible and enjoy. <laughs> and away we go. Yes. Captain Bullshit. Back on the mats. <laughs> Captain Bullshit. <laughs> that's funny because I it didn't get it at first and then it immediately hit. <laughs> should have brought the nose. I know, right? Oh, I should have yeah. brought the nose. All right, next yeah. time. Yeah. Next Mandatory. time. Yep. That's a good cover photo for the episode <laughs> is you and the nose and the wig maybe. I have it somewhere. <laughs> I need to bring it because I haven't done a Bullshit the Clown like 
piece of content in quite a while. So it needs to come back. I said it last time. Back. I still stand for it. I know it needs to come back. I didn't know it made such an impression. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think a lot about it. I'm going to be honest. No. Don't look at me. I am flat. I got my ass kicked at practice tonight. By who? By you. <laughs> what? By, by literally everybody I rolled with. <laughs> yeah, same here. And I even stipulated that, like, hey, my back is still fucked up, so I'm going, you know, 50, 60%. And so it was not difficult rolls, and I still got my ass kicked. Nobody cared. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, they were still going slow, but they still beat me up. Yeah. My favorite's when you're like, oh, my wrist really hurts. I'm going to go slow. And 30 seconds into you it, you're, you're not going double-legging someone. You're like, wait, what am I doing? I thought I was going slow. Yeah. This agreement with myself isn't working. Yeah. Even when you, uh, I've tennis balled my hand, taped it to a tennis ball. and been like, I got to chill. And I had a full send duct tape tennis ball in my That's hand. That's right. Oh, I remember that. I still that. would roll. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Didn't someone roll on your hand? Yes, that was really bad. That hurt. Uh, while, yeah. while the tennis ball was taped no, to it? No, that was no. why the tennis oh, ball I gotcha. Okay. I, Somebody rolled up on your wrist. Yeah, I was. Yeah. Po- we were drilling, and I was yeah. posted with my hand on the ground. I know people can't see this, but it was basically just like using your hand to support your body. We were just drilling. Yeah. They rolled into it and rolled straight into the thumb joint. Your drilling partner or like another Another, another oh, person. Yeah. Okay. yeah. And that, it just was rough. My right elbow is still not right. Because same scenario, whatever drilling we were doing, I think I was in mount, and I posted a, my right hand out, and then one of the other drilling partners, like, they didn't even bump into it hard, but my elbow yeah. was locked out, and it took it kind of sideways, and now to mm. this day, like, I'm constantly, like, kind of flexing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, trying, trying to click that ligament back into, into place. Yeah. I have a friend. Oh, man, here we go. So I have a friend, and... uh he jumped out of a car and he got ran over by the back wheels and stuff. And I'm like, is every- we all have that friend? Yeah, we all have that friend. And I'm, I, I was very concerned. I'm like, are you, is everything okay? I mean, is everything working? And he's like, yeah, I just click a lot when I go upstairs. But other than that, I'm completely fine. And he said it like I was the idiot. I'm yeah. like, you got ran over by a car. I, I, anyone should be concerned about that. But stupid friends. Oh, yeah. man. Yep. You know what's tough about the gym is everything. Every yes, but everyone's very motivated. And now to add to it, I get to see Christy showing workout pictures like Will and everyone at four AM <laughs> and it's like I'm a piece of shit. There it's Are you not, in there lifting with those guys now at four o'clock in the morning? I don't I'm not there at four, but I'm there by five fifteen. Oh god. Probably. Right? Yeah. It's a new thing. To be honest, it's by necessity. So yeah, this isn't the like only time some. You can carve yeah, out. this is yeah. not like a badge of honor. I would love to just do it at a normal time. Um, it just doesn't doesn't exist. Does this not count as working out to you? It or it's like you need resistance and weight training for what you're desiring out of I, your I fitness goal. I think you need both. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this does something for sure. I mean, it just does. To me, jujitsu is in a different category. Yeah. I get a workout. I get sweat. You get cardio maybe of a yeah. different sort. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's more of like a muscular endurance, like your capacity to do work for six minutes at a time and then take 60 seconds rest and then do work again. But you're not, it, 
Oh man, it's tough to explain. It doesn't, but it does kind of push push you to muscle failure sometimes. sometimes. I don't know. Somehow yeah. it is different than resistance training. Though. It is, yeah. And I mean, it also depends on your fitness level, right? Like yeah. you could totally come into jujitsu out of shape, and it could certainly help you get in shape. Yeah. Um, but I think females in particular have to do resistance training. Oh, for bone density, you I mean, got to do like, it. Yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and say that males, most especially yeah. in 2023, where most people sit in a desk. <laughs> and fucking tap at a keyboard, males also need to be doing resist. There are very few Tyler Stanaways out there who are swinging an axe and a hammer around all day long that don't need some sort of weight training. Yeah, yeah. it's just mandatory. I feel like, because no matter what, your body starts losing muscle, even for guys in your 30s and yeah. beyond. If you're not building it, you're losing, losing it. Losing it, yeah. And then 40s and beyond, it escalates. And so then it's like, well, you got to work to build muscle. And yeah. so it just has to be a part of, I just feel like it's one of the maintenance things that you probably need to do three times yeah. a week. For do sure. you think that Jordan didn't come tonight because I made him lift weights on Monday? <laughs> he's just, <laughs> he's, he's in an Epsom salt bath right now. Just soaking. <laughs> Suck it, buddy. But he knew you were going to talk about it. I said he was buying another dog. I thought you were serious when he <laughs> said Chandra told you. <laughs> yes. I was like, son of a bitch. He's getting a fifth dog. What kind of dogs does he have? Fucking retarded. Just little dogs. What, big. What's yes, the mix yeah, with the husky? On. The corgi and the husky. Because it, it looks like a husky that <laughs> got hybrid. sawed off at the knees. That's <laughs> <What? laughs> ridiculous. Half pint. Yeah. <laughs> oh, does he like collect misfit dogs? Yeah, sort of. Uh, apparently, yeah. Okay. Look at him. He's got... Yeah, look at him. Well, look I didn't know him. if he was like getting well, hunting hang on. dogs. No, no, or he, he does like, have... He has really one really like nice yeah. purebred... It's called a Spinoni, right? Spinoni, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's an Italian hunt dog, I think. Something. The yeah. rest are just... He's fucking huge now. I hadn't seen him in a few months. That dog is enormous. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, I have two dogs. So I have a... So I had labs forever. Mm-hmm. So I had chocolate lab, yellow lab, all-American kind of situation. But they got old and passed away. And when the last one was getting older, I was like, well, I need a dog for the family. Yeah. And I was pregnant with my daughter. So I was like, let me get a dog that's like hypoallergenic and like friendly. And so I'd never bought like a bougie dog. This dog is as dumb as it gets. Like it is, it's a Bernadoodle. So it's half Bernese mountain dog, which are lazy and awesome. They're great. Okay. They're just, they don't want to do anything. And then half poodle. And it's a standard size. So it's like a big dog. Yeah. I came very close to buying one. I'm glad I didn't. So the thing is, is it's fine. Like she's, she is like a fluffy, awesome, big dog, you know? And when I say that she's bougie and kind of dumb is that that's what she is. Like she's just whatever. Like she's not a dog dog, you know? I think it's that poodle side. Yes. Because I've been, I've seen, I've, friends have labradoodles and it's it has that kind of not arrogance to them but a yes, little bit of a barbie a little yeah. sassy but the bernadoodles like the bernie's side i think mellows her out so she's i mean i'm not complaining but she is a bougie dog for sure and then i have my junkyard dog so i found him on the side of the road when he was five weeks old mm-hmm. and he is a mastiff mutt and i rescued four what's his name rocky rocky rocky, rocky. yeah he's he's my like He's my junkyard dog. Yeah. He's 150 pounds and um, big baby. And I rescued four, I think, from his litter. More than that, because it was this, this crackhead lady selling them on this concrete in the middle of December. It was really cold. And it was over by the Starbucks parking lot. And so I was driving to go to Starbucks. And this lady has a playpen with these tiny puppies 
on the concrete and it was probably 20 degrees. I was freezing. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, and so I get out and she's sitting in a lawn chair, you know, it's like that situation. <laughs> Smoking a cigarette. What's up, and honey? I was like, and I was like, I was like, what are you doing yeah. with these puppies? You know, she's like, they're for sale for Christmas, you know? And she's like, and I was like, they are too young. Cause I knew, cause we'd had lab puppies. And so I knew like, I was like yeah. these puppies are too young. And she's like, well, they're five weeks old. They're old enough. And I was like, holy crap. They were freezing. They were like covered in grossness and she was just trying to make a buck you know so i was like listen she probably had 10 of them i was like i will buy all of them i was like how much do you want for all of them and she's like i don't know you know i think she was planning to what i was like i'm gonna go to the atm which was right across the street i'm gonna be right back so i maxed out the atm with fucking 10 dogs (laughs) i gained with 400 dollars. that's all that i could get out of the atm it like maxed out for some reason and then i was like i will have all of these dogs and she's like no so she's like, you can have four. And I was like, what? Because it was Christmas time. She, yeah. She's like, I got to pay my taxes. Bullshit, you got to pay your taxes. So <laughs> I'm selling bootleg dogs out here. Yeah. I need to pay. Even. The IRS is on to me. <laughs> it's not even tax time. Isn't no. it April 15th? <laughs> <laughs> Christmas. So, yeah. So she gave me four. I gave her $400. The ATM ate my card because I was so like worried oh, about shit. the dogs. I didn't have my card anymore. So oh, God. <laughs> I like... Put the whole thing on my Instagram story. Went home with these four puppies in my lap, you know. And then my friend saw it, went back and got the other ones. So she oh, got nice. four or five. And I think we got most of them. And so then we had to raise these baby puppies for like three weeks. It was hell. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was hell because they are, that's the worst time. Like Still five weeks. Still got to bottle them. Yeah, five, yeah. We didn't have to yeah. bottle them, but they were babies. Like they yeah. cried. They yeah. were not, they were too young. Um, And so, yeah, for... A couple weeks, we raised them. They almost ruined Christmas. <laughs> they, they literally almost ruined Christmas. Oh, and then uh, we found them all homes. Tyler has one. Oh, Ty- which, Tyler's dog. Uh, Freya or yeah, Moose? Freya. Freya's, oh, no shit. Freya's one of I the puppies. I love Freya. Yeah, okay. Freya's one of the puppies. That's Rocky's sister. No kidding. Okay. Yeah. Well, now I wish I had one. Yeah, they're, no. they're cool, but all, Freya's much smaller than Rocky. Is she? She's, I mean, she's... Fre- like, Freya's a perfect dog. Yeah, she looks like a lab size, but Rocky yeah. looks like a Mastiff. Like, he's yeah. a big dog. He's not as big as Moose, but... Okay. Yeah. I love that junkyard dog just because... Well, hang like, on. What I was going to say is that reminds me that, like, you know, these days, like, and Steve, like, my friend that I'm staying with while we're going through this divorce... He just got a new lab puppy and he's talking about he had to drive down to Tacoma and pick it up. And it's like this big process. And it's like, I remember being a kid and the way we ended up with a puppy is we were going grocery shopping and there was somebody sitting at the entrance to the Safeway with a little swimming pool with like six puppies in it. And they're like, free puppies. And you're like, dad. Can we take one home? And, <laughs> no. You know what I mean? And like, uh, yeah. that's how you ended up with a dog. Yeah. And this, I don't know at what point in modern society, like it changed to where now you have to go find a purebred dog and a breeder and pay thousands of dollars well, and all I this mean. shit. Like, it's like, you used to just accidentally come home from Safeway with a new puppy. Or well, even I'm, adopting them. Yeah, a lot of times the they're society. like, it's $500 and then they want to do an interview. Mm. And it's mm. like, this dog lives in the a same cage. Thing. Yeah, so my parents took in a, this is 20, 20 years ago. She was a half shepherd, half Malamute. And they live on a 200 acre farm. And the people at the Humane Society were like, well, we need to come check out your place, make sure that it's acceptable. And it's like, you have her in a cage. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have 200 acres. Yeah. Let's let's just go ahead and do the mental exercise right here at this desk. Because no matter what you say, 
she's better off on our 200 acres than she is in your cage. Yes. But, yeah. And it's, and they're, they're so full of themselves that they actually think they need to come out and do a survey. So we agreed to it and then took her home and then told them to fuck off. You're not coming to our house. It's probably just because of people fighting dogs and stuff. I'm sure they've had enough yeah. of people who are just doing Is the that wrong. really a problem up here, though? It's a problem in the South. We went to... Uh, Do they want random mutts, though, or don't they want, like, bread? They use them, for bait. They use them for bait. No shit. Mm-hmm. Ooh, it's God. worse than trying to train them to be fighters. They train them to be bait. Man. Sad. We went to the animal shelter in Austin, Texas, and all it was was pit bulls. It was like no oh, other breed except for people just abandoning pit bulls. Mm-hmm. What I was going to say, though, about my junkyard dog, uh-huh. I got a pit bull, too, and he's a big boy. He's like 95 pounds. But I love their yeah. big... 95 s- pounds of muscle or 95 pounds of tacos? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, he's pure muscle. <laughs> yeah, He's a big boy, but he's got those just... That big junkyard dog jowl, I love playing with his cheeks and his lips. <laughs> Nothing brings me more satisfaction than just, yeah. you know, just playing <laughs> with his big sloppy face. I love him. Yeah, I think I think Bonnie gets a bad rap because of the the big gap between Bonnie and Rocky. You know, like, Bonnie might not seem so bougie if I hadn't, like, gotten this, like, massive mud <laughs> off the side yeah. of the road. yeah. And then I, she'd probably be, like, much more, like, normal. <laughs> but they're so different that it just, but what you were saying is, like, Bonnie's great. She was $3,500 from a Bernadoodle breeder, you know, yeah. that pregnant me thought, this is a genius idea. This like, I got to have the hypoallergenic perfect family dog that's chill and listens and can be trained and... Let's spend thirty five hundred dollars on a dog, or four hundred dollars from ATM to pay the crackhead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's got to pay her taxes. <laughs> That's a good move. That's a good move, Christy. Yeah, you gave those dogs all good lives. It was impulse. And your friends getting them too, right. like yeah. some crackhead lady. Who knows if they didn't sell what she would have done? She probably would have dumped them. She would have smoked them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a wrap for those dogs. <laughs> so, jeez, I uh, I knew a girl that she liked a particular type of kitten or cat. It was called Burmese. And she would go down south and she would pay like $4,000 for one cat. And it was was cool because the cats were bred to be very affectionate and they were dog-like. You would throw crap and they'd fetch it for you. It's kind of cool. But it was weird... It's weird what people will pay for certain traits and animals and stuff. It's funny. So I I had a really good friend right after I got out of the Army, and uh, he had one of those. And so I bought my first house in like 2000, I don't know, four or five, somewhere in there. And I was like, and it was kind of out in the woods a little bit. And I was like, hey, man, just move in. You don't have to pay any rent. Like, save some money, whatever. I'm, I'm traveling overseas all the time. It, it's actually good for me to have somebody at the house. Like, so it's, it's lived in. And I said, Oh, by the way, don't let your cat out. Cause there's coyotes in the woods. And, uh, that cat snuck out one time and the coyotes got him within like, Sean's like, I realized he was outside and I <laughs> ran out onto the back deck God. just in, just in time to see a coyote, like standing oh. at the edge of the light of the, you know, the light coming out the yeah. slider door. With with uh, the cat in his mouth, like, <laughs> and, then, and then and then like a year later, I was mowing the lawn and I hit something and I stopped and I looked and it was a cat skull. <laughs> oh my god, that's the worst. Oh uh, man, that's rough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it was it was one of those uh, long hair, fucking flat faced. Yep. I don't know. Like, I'm sure it was an expensive cat. 
The yeah. cool thing is, like, it, it was an expensive snack for a coyote. Expensive snack. Yeah. L- lately, like, I used to think, like, well, that's silly, like, to spend that much. But honestly, anything that makes people like happy that they're happy if, to spend if you their end up money on the dog, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like, go for it. Go for it. Like, people spend four thousand dollars on way stupider shit than a yeah. cat that makes them happy. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if your cat. But at, but at the same time, blood. where where are all those puppies? Like those non-purebred, come from a breeder. Like, yeah. where are they? They they should be out there somewhere. Yeah, where, where the fuck do you get them if they're I not think at that's the safe? Probably way? the argument is that people are like, why would you buy that when you could, you know, get a yeah. different one? I read in a history book a long time ago. They were talking about the United States, and I think it was like in the 1700s. Uh, they had a huge problem with roaming packs of dogs, mm-hmm. and they would just. Like in New England and different places, they would just, a pack of dogs would just kill people. Yeah, revert to those wolf-like instincts. That's how it is in Eastern Europe. So I spend some time in Russia and in the Ukraine. It's exactly like that. I don't know if it's still like that, but it was when I was there. Hang on, we'll elaborate. Well, I I lived in the Ukraine in Kiev for a summer after I graduated high school. Is this bumper sticker free Kiev? (laughs) Is this active duty or before you joined the Uh, Before. So basically... I applied to get I applied to go to the Naval Academy <clears throat> and then I didn't apply anywhere else for college. So it was either that or I was planning to like play guitar on the beach and <laughs> oh, yeah. that was it. I'm That's my college man. military or <laughs> yeah. hardcore hippie. That was it. <laughs> One or the other. Those were my choices. <laughs> Jim Morrison, I'm 100% yeah. serious. Um, cuz I worked at the beach, so I worked at a restaurant on the boardwalk and those were the two choices. So what happened is, is I got into the Naval Academy. They just ran out of spots for that year. So they were basically like, listen, you're in, but you have to go to prep school next year. Go to junior college. Like, we'll pay for it. You go. Um, all you got to do is get good grades and stay out of trouble, and you're in. And so I was like, okay, but now what am I going to do with myself? So I had this summer free that I was supposed to be doing, like, Navy training. So instead, <clears throat> I decided I wanted to get out of, like, my universe and – I guess it was a connection through my mom's church and the people who were, she knew there, they were missionaries there and they left for the summer to go fundraise and they needed somebody to house it. And I was like, me, I will go. And no it was, way. yeah. And so, this is in Ukraine. In Kiev. Yeah. Okay. So I lived there for a summer. So Sweet. I basically went and house sat. I was 17 for this family. Fuck yeah. How and were you able to get by speaking? Like, do, was a majority of people speaking English? Or? No, 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 no. Most everybody spoke Russian. And so I, yeah. because of the church, like, it wasn't like I was completely solo, right? Like, there was okay. somebody. So you had, like, I, a community. I of. lived in the house, but, like, there were other 17, 18, 19-year-olds that I could, like, go hang out with if I wanted to because of the church connection there. Yeah. And so they would make sure that, like, they would. They made sure I had food, but it was easy because it was like, you know, in in other places other than the U.S., like, you can just walk and go get food. Sure. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. kind of what it was like. So, yeah, so I got to live there, but there were packs of dogs. So the point <laughs> of this in, is... In Kiev? Yes. Oh, shit. Packs of dogs. Okay. And a lot of them have tumors because... <laughs> like Chernobyl. T- yeah. Not the tumor. Oh. So the Dnieper River comes right down from Chernobyl. And yeah. so the Dnieper goes right <laughs> through I get Kiev. that drinking water. And so I remember distinctly being like... Those dogs oh, are God. covered in tumors, and they could just have had regular cancer. Who knows? But <laughs> there's no problem here, comrades. <laughs> but no. it was definitely a thing. Packs of dogs. Um, okay. But I loved. I and loved would they, that would they attack people? I don't remember thinking that, but I, I mean, they're dogs, so yeah. I'm sure they do dog things. Yeah. What's, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Biting. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. They, so hang on. If you head out for lunch in Kiev, 
what are you uh, like? What's what's the common fare there? Well, how, how many potatoes and halib geese do you eat? I loved the, I loved my time there. I loved yeah. the people. I loved the music, the food, the everything. Um, I still have friends who oh, are there. Oh no, hey, we're going to drill down on this. Yes. So I, <laughs> sure. I, I, I want to start with food. Uh, so it was really simple because you could just buy like bread. There was a baker right there. You could buy fresh fruit, blueberries, honey, whatever. But it ah. was it was very simple. It was like ha- slices of ham, slices of tomatoes, slices of cheese. Like that yeah. was kind of like Delicious. the standard. Yeah. Kind of like hard bread, typically. Do you ever have halipkis? Um, I had whatever. And then also, like, I was introduced because my friends were, you know, 17, 18, 19-year-olds. So we were eating like dried fish from a bucket that we got at the gas <laughs> <Yeah>. station. <laughs> like, you know, See, this that is the kind of, of shit thing. I'm talking about. So you go to a gas station, get a bucket of dried fish, because so that a, doesn't happen in fucking Mill Creek. plastic barrel, <laughs> and the fish are completely dried, and you just eat it kind of like beef jerky. Oh, it's like the whole situation. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. What, and is it salted or seasoned? Or it's yeah, just I'm like sure it's salted. Fish. Yeah, I'm sure it's some is that kind of Chernobyl <laughs> River water. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Dog yeah. tumor sprinkled on it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's a halipi? Is that like okay? A, uh, so it's one of my favorite foods. Uh, so you, it's like a mixture of ground beef, uh, tomato, onion, and then uh, did I say rice? Shepherd's pie and rice. I know what you're talking. And then about. you uh, kind of form it in a ball, and then you take a cabbage and you boil the leaves, oh, and then yeah. once you it starts it. boil, yeah, you wrap that. And then you put all of these wrapped little individual cabbage leaves in a baking dish, and you cover it with a yes. sauce. I have had that. I, I've had oh. those. Yeah, those are so, so, some of that European food is just yep. unbelievable. Yeah. What yeah. they can do with Especially cabbage the, is amazing. I was amazing. just going to say the Eastern Europeans know comfort food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the potatoes, yeah. like the broths, like the soups are just yep. unreal. When uh, when we went to Berlin, I didn't uh, I didn't know any German. I knew one phrase: "Ich habe ein Barunger." I have the hunger of a bear. And so I'd walk and and ein gross beer beaten, a, a large beer. And so I'd walk into the the pub and I'd slam my hand on the bar and I'd say, "Ich habe ein Barunger." And they they'd laugh. They're like fucking retarded American. But they'd bring out these giant plates of sausage and sauerkraut and yes. some sort of fried potato situation. It's just like, goddamn, so simple and delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to go to Oktoberfest. Yeah, that that sounds, sounds fun. Yeah. Drink good beer and in, eat in September cheese soup or something. Cheese yeah. soup. <laughs> is, is, is it in September? I, I don't I like, know. I don't know when it is. I think it's like a whole season. I think yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, a it's month. Yeah, yeah, from yeah. yeah to okay, the- so hang on. Back to Kiev. Mm-hmm. So you're in Kiev. Okay. Dried fish from a gas station. Yep. What is, like, if you're going to go to a restaurant, is it kind of the same as, like, what you would expect anywhere in, in Eastern Europe? A lot of potatoes, a lot of sausage, a lot of... Uh, Yes and no. I mean, it could be different. Cabbage, so, potatoes, and sausage. To be fair, my understanding, because I, I spent that summer in the Ukraine, and then in in school, I did do language school in Russia, and so I got to spend, like, another summer in Russia, which was different, very different than my time in the Ukraine. Okay. Um, and But that was in the, you know, 2003, 2005 time yeah. frame. So, like, 
I, my understanding is very different now. Okay. And were you venturing out? Like, you're 17 years old in a foreign country. Were you venturing out on the weekends and, like, having 100%. fun? 100%. Fuck yeah. Okay, what what were you getting into? Nothing, like, I wasn't, like, a partier or anything. Yeah. I mean, we were probably drinking a little bit, but nothing crazy. We yeah. were more just adventuring. It was, like, yeah. running around Seeing monuments spots, in the middle of yeah. the night. You know, like, that okay. kind of nonsense. And, like... And these are all local kids you're hanging out with? 100%, yeah. And, and it, did you understand the fucking word they're saying? Or they were actually better in English, so... You know, the kids that came, that grew up in high school, like post-Soviet Union, many of them were introduced to either speak English, German, or French. Okay. And so they spoke one of those. And so they spoke a little bit of English. So they taught me, you know, things. A little bit, like a few phrases and words. It's funny how much language doesn't matter in those kind of seasons, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like we did... Things that you do when you're 17, like they would, they would take, like just even riding the subway, it was like a crazy experience because oh, yeah. it's stinky and hot. There's no air conditioning there, so like oh, yeah. everything is nasty. Even like New York, they're stinky and hot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's a subway; they stink everywhere. And then you know you could die, right? Because like right. they just stuff people in these subways, yeah. and like there's those trains are crazy. They're like yeah. Soviet, don't fall down, whatever you do. Yeah, Soviet <laughs> metros, you know. And so, like, that kind of thing is what we did. We'd the swim safety in, standards are a little different. We'd swim in the Dnieper, oh, <laughs> like, good. in the crazy river, you know, yeah. in the river, and, like, just do that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, you is know? this skin tag now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then the pack, the dog packs, or a mm-hmm. pack of dogs, if you hear them coming, are you, like, jumping for, climb up the <laughs> monument? Or what, like, what's what's the plan here? I don't know. I think, I, I feel like I just remember them. But okay. I wasn't, like, scared of them. Got it. Okay. Luck, I, luckily, I feel like... This was my first experience of sort of like understanding how life can be simpler. Yeah. Because, yeah. You, you know, when you're like grow up American kid, you're like, well, I'm 16. I got to get my car and like everything matters. Yeah. Right. And then all of a sudden it was like transplanted into this place where that stuff didn't matter. Like I, they actually didn't give a shit about like my brand of clothes. They're like post-Soviet Union kids. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. like amazed that I had sandals. We just yeah. had no good. fear. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They didn't care. Yeah. Like they were like, this is amazing. Like just I could try get not to go to the gulag. A dollar store bracelet. You know what I mean? And they thought it was amazing because yeah. at that time, again, it's different now, but that was like, they just wasn't readily available just all the time stuff. Yeah. So like all of a sudden I was like, huh, like this is great. These people are great. Like, this whole life is great. And it was just, there was these multiple moments. Like, beach time was, like, my time where I was like, oh, I could just do this. But if I wasn't committed to go to the academy, I probably would have stayed. Yeah. Yeah, because I just loved it. Yeah. And I loved the people. Yeah. They had soul. Like, a different kind of soul. There's something about going through hard times that makes people that way. And modern day America where everybody's just on their phone, on their computer, in their cubicle, like everybody's disconnected from people are disconnected from society and from each other. And there is like, I think, oh man, we can talk about like opioid epidemics and mental health epidemics. And I really think that everybody's, it it boils down to every, we have six souls in America. And the electronics and the nine to five plus, you know what I mean? Like 40 hours isn't enough anymore. You got to have two working parents at 50 hours a week each. And the kids are in daycare. And it's like, it has, it has killed the soul of the people in America. And I think that, I think that is the core problem that leads to the mental health and the opiate abuse. Yeah. I think it's. Sorry to drop a heavy one on no, you. No, 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 no. Because what you're saying makes a lot of sense. Like, 
Kiev now, I mean, it, it's more, it's it's not like a farm village, you know. It it's it it's got more tech. It's got you know. It's well, it was a city then too. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. So, but even though it's still a big city, there seems to be a way that they still have a connection with the food they get where they get it from the people around sure. them it and still has that been... community atmosphere i feel like we somehow we've completely separated that where if it's city it's just city and then if you're farmer you're rural farmer there's no integration of the two in going like it's rare that seattle has that you know the pike place market like that's how cities used to be well, was I... little farmer markets coming all throughout the city to sell their goods I... I actually think that it's it's a matter of being a little bit poor because, like, one way to contrast it, like, okay, now I'm an electrician, right? So I have, I used to have, right about the time I was a fifth-year apprentice, a very healthy cash business. with peop- And it was people who would call me and be like, hey, my GFCI in my bathroom is out. I go, did you push the reset button? Yeah, I tried it. Okay, go down to the bathroom Where's your other bathroom? Go down there and push the other reset button. Okay, we did it. Still not working. Okay, if I come over, it's going to cost you a couple hundred bucks, and I'm probably just going to push a button. Yeah, sure, come on over. And I'd go over, and I'd push a button and charge them $200 for five minutes and go on about my way. And then contrast that to, like, my dad kept that old-school value where he'd spend an entire weekend trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with one outlet because he's not going to call anybody. He's just not going to spend that money. Like no matter what, he's going to figure it out on his own, no matter how long it takes. And then also a great example is Tyler's farm where he's, he's kind of self-conscious about like, he doesn't have proper fencing. He's just using like some orange construction netting to like mend one section of the fence. It's like, no man, this is how, like where I grew up in OMAC where everybody didn't have a lot of money and there was not a Home Depot back then, you just made do with whatever you could find. You got some orange construction netting, that's what you mend the fence with. And and sort of living in that scenario of just making it work and not having an excess, I think is what keeps people grounded. And we've come to a point in society here where everybody is living in excess. And so they don't like they've they've lost the ability to sort of do for themselves, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's easier to call an electrician than it is to figure out how the outlet works. Yeah. It's easier to call, you know what I mean? No, no matter what, just just call somebody; they'll come figure it out for you. Don't do anything for yourself. And I think that leaves you sort of um, like morally barren, or not morally, but um, you're not challenged. You have to have challenges. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and I mean, that's kind of why we all do this stuff. I mean, everyone's like, stay hard, wake yeah, up early, challenge yourself. Yes. Well, that that's where I was going is that in modern society, just like we talked about a few minutes ago, you everybody needs to be lifting weights. I think the reason jujitsu is becoming so popular is that it's it's a struggle. You have to come in here and struggle for 90 minutes. And you don't get that anywhere else in modern society because you're so used to climate control you go from your climate-controlled house to your climate-controlled car to your climate-controlled office. Yeah. And then you go home again. And everything is always easy. And there's no, like, there's no fear of not surviving. Imagine living in fear of not surviving a winter. 
Yeah. When, when was the, I mean, there's, I guess there are people out there on the streets right now living that way, but they're probably so high on fucking they opiates, don't care. they don't even know. Yeah. yeah. Imagine being dead ass sober and living in fear of the coming winter. Just not know it. Like, I don't know, man. Maybe we'll see you in May. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Makes for a different mentality. Totally. Yeah. And I think that was, I mean, that's how we evolved and that was part of the human condition. And now that all that's gone, that, and then that gives rise to wokeism and all this shit we're experiencing because we're manufacturing problems. Like racism. You're not suffering real things, so you have exactly. to create an event or a bubble. Yeah, to be you have to obstacle. create drama because you need something to struggle against. So you go like, we come here and we, we struggle against each other on a map, but other people get online and fucking bicker and call each other racist or misogynist or xenophobic or whatever. You know what I mean? And it leads to all these fucking social problems because people are just looking to create a problem so they can have something to fight against or, or just, to struggle against. Or latch onto someone else's problem. I mean, in all reality, those things are probably problems to someone. You yeah. know, like if you think about it, like in reality, somebody, like racism is a problem somewhere and oh, yeah. all those things are problems, but the, the, the bandwagon right. of like, I got nothing to do. Yeah, the 40-year-old the suburban mom who's Correct. like, That's what I stand with Black Lives Matter. Like, shut the fuck up, bitch. You don't have a goddamn clue from your suburb in Marysville. As a white lady. Yeah. Well, but, and, but I mean, maybe they're trying to have a clue. And so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, it, I think they're trying to fight online and virtue signal. Possibly. I think some people are. I think some people genuinely care and are I mean, disconnected. Yeah, human rights. You, there's a general, like, Every, every person, every human, human rights, yeah. So here's my philosophy on a lot of this stuff, and I've thought about this. I think I even shared it with you when, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were hanging out at the bonfire. But, like, most people, I like to give the benefit of the doubt in terms of, like, this whole concept of, like, um, people following, right? Like, all these followers, you suck. Well, actually, like, that's just most people. And that's probably okay. Because most people just want to go with the flow, do their day, like, start to finish, hang out with their family, eat some food, go to bed, start over tomorrow. And peaceful society is built on the fact that most people are down for that. Because most people are like, fuck this, you know, let's start over. If everybody was like that, that's not going to work. Yeah. And so what I like to think about is like if most people are just like trying to do this thing and we give a chunk of people the benefit of the doubt, right? And we're saying like they're just genuinely like probably just doing their best to live their life. And then they hear something. They're like, wow, that's that's really bad. Like that sounds terrible. But they're not in, they don't know. They're not invested in it. They're actually not connected to it. They're just doing their day. And they're like, yeah. wow, that sounds like terrible racism. That sounds terrible. I'm against that. But they're not doing it because I think most people aren't doing it because of like trying to cause some sort of social unrest or something like that. They're just thinking, well, this is the right thing to do. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's virtue signaling. It, I think they're trying. I think they're bored for one. I think they're very bored. And I think they're trying to sort of. Yeah. I would signal is the word signal to other people. Hey, I am virtuous and I am right in this. And they get so caught up in these issues that they don't actually understand. Like, if, if you are from a sub, like, if you are from Mill Creek, Washington, and you've grown up there, and I'm going to tell you right now, you don't understand racism. And you might want, like, okay, sure, you can say I'm against it, because most 99.9% .9 of people on earth are against it. Um, 
but for you to interject yourself into the conversation as though you're some sort of expert and start arguing with people is fucking ridiculous. I think also there's a little bit of it like the fog of war, like that term. Like, remember when Russia and Ukraine happened and there was all these things like the Snake Island thing where this Russian ship came up and the guy said, fuck you, we're not giving up, and they blew him up. Well, that didn't really happen. And then the ghost of Kiev, that didn't really happen. And you see Israel, it's like... It's called uh, catastrophe propaganda. So, But that's what I mean. There's so much propaganda and stuff getting used. And the way the internet seems to have worked works now with social media it's like the way videos get edited or how fast things gain traction um it's hard to really know what's happening and like you're saying like you have just someone that gets sent a video and they're like look what the fuck's happening and you're like this is out of control look at these cops just beating you know they're beating black people just because they want to and it's like Really giving people the facts and understanding what happened, it it, it takes time. And yeah. we live in this time where we want people to be so emotionally based that it gets people charged. And I think that kind of tears people apart more. And I think it's kind of just the, it's the way the system's kind of going. And not like there's this overarching like theme to it all, but just as we get more connected and we're integrating this stuff into our lives, like we all kind of use tech. We're talking on these headphones for people, but it, it kind of creates just these emotional reaction storms. And yeah. I think you get yeah. all of it. You get people with good intentions. You get people that feed off of this hype and right. want to spread it more. And sure. I think that's a, that, that goes along with what I'm saying. Like this chunk of people that I would give the benefit of the doubt to, like you're saying, they're like, see this stuff. And they're like, that's terrible. Like, yeah. I don't want that. There are also the puppeteers. There are people who understand that that oh, is yes. how humans are. Yeah. And they manipulate people to do things. And yes. so I believe in both. A hundred percent people should be held account for that. I, yeah. I, I think social media is a tool. I, honestly, I think the television was a tool up until social media and the internet. And then I think... Uh, well, I should say, uh, is it is it Operation Mockingbird? Where the the CIA, it, it was known at one point in the '60s that the CIA had embedded agents at like every major news source in the United States of America, mm-hmm. which meant that the government was controlling all the news media. But back then, you didn't have like that instant flow of information to where you could fact check or find alternate sources. You had a few mainstream, like you had some major national papers like New York Times, Mm -hmm. Washington Post, LA Mm -hmm. Times, et cetera, et cetera. NBC News, ABC, CBS, like, like, you know what I mean? If Walter Cronkite got on at Mm -hmm. five o'clock and told it to the the, the public, then that's what was happening. And nobody had any way of knowing any different. And then you have the invention of the internet and suddenly everybody can send information all over the place at the speed of light. And so my, here's my little conspiracy theory is that we know that before Facebook was um, initiated or formed or whatever, literally the day before, DARPA, the Defense oh, Something Research, blah, blah, blah. Any, DARPA is the yep. DOD organization Boston that does Dynamics all. And MIT help. That's what I think they yeah. are a part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's all the research and development for the de, de, uh, Department of Defense. So they created a program that was identical to Facebook, and I can't for the life of me remember. I'll Google it here in a sec when I'm done talking. But the day they shut down their program, the next day, 
Mark Zuckerberg founded Facebook. Mm -hmm. So my thought is that as the internet gave, like everybody looked at it and went, oh shit, this is, this is difficult to control because now every single citizen in the United States within a very short period of time is going to have access to light speed communication with the entire world. We now have to come up with a new tool to control information. And I think that is how social media was born yeah. is that social media is not a, it's not created by entrepreneurs. It's created as a tool to control information. It's definitely possible. It's certainly been used that way. <laughs> Whether or not it was intended, I mean, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, the Twitter files showed that, sure. the, that the FBI was heavily, the FBI and the Biden administration was heavily controlling whatever was released, you know, on, or I should say, whatever was posted on Twitter was heavily censored by the FBI and by the Biden administration. And so... The only reason we know that is because Elon Musk bought it and released all those files. I would have to assume that Facebook and Instagram and whatever else, like, does anybody still use MySpace? No, I don't think so. <laughs> My top five. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I would have to assume that the, uh, the Mark Zuckerberg platforms are also still controlled by the F. And I think he actually admitted such on yeah, the Joe Rogan it. podcast. Yeah. He said something about they were like, contacted. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The FBI was telling him what should and should not be posted, which is an absolute uh, infraction it's of the First well, Amendment. Well, yeah. here's the funny thing about social media, and I think this is like brings it back to what we were saying before: is it distorts what's happening in a way that if you don't know, which we can't know all the things, then you're just taking that as information. And you're like, yeah, that's what it is. And I remember just to speak to like, and I know we're not like talking like politics stuff, but I would consider myself like a moderate typically. Uh, sorry, uh -huh. to interject here. The DARPA program was called LifeLog. Mm. And the same day Facebook was launched, DARPA shut down LifeLog. Interesting. And LifeLog was identical to Facebook. They knew the platform was better. They're like, God damn it, this government Facebook it. won't. LifeLog isn't going <laughs> to exist. Um, but what I was saying is, like, I, I would consider myself, like, a moderate, different opinions on different things. But I remember, when, like, we're talking about, like, virtue signaling and things. Like, why would somebody uh, post something, right? Yeah. Well, remember, like, back when all the Black Lives Matter stuff happened, it was, like, COVID time, too. You know, it was, like, mm -hmm. the same crazy season. All the things were happening, Right. And I remember the time when everybody posted the black square, right? Yeah. So I remember making a social media post that day about Black Lives Matter. And I'm going to tell you why I did it. Because it wasn't an issue that I spent any time investigating <laughs> or knew anything about outside of just, you know, the comp. The reason that I did that day is because I was feeling empathetic for my black friends. That is the only reason yes. that yes. I did it. And I right. remember thinking to myself, and again, taking in, the, taking in the media and thinking to myself, you know what, you're right. Like my son, I don't worry about when he goes for a run, mm -hmm. like what's going to happen to him. Yes. Like I don't worry about if he gets pulled over, is he going to accidentally be, a, I never think that. And so you're right. So I thought about my friends who are moms. I was like, oh my God, they carry this burden that I don't understand. And this, all this craziness is happening. And so like, yes, I hear you and I'm sorry this is happening. So I remember thinking, 
doing it and was it virtual signaling maybe but, but my intention on. was for them so to do you know. think do you think the evil genius of social media might be that it plays on the good intentions of well-intentioned people it could and be. it uses it uses your good intentions for its purposes and sorry i just googled it it's it's uh, darpa is defense advanced research projects agency mm. and that is where facebook came from as lifelog later reestablishes facebook but Back to my point is that, of course, you were well-intentioned because you're a good person. And a million or shit, probably hundreds of millions of people reposted that black square with good intentions. But I think that's the that's sort of the point of social media is it plays on your good intentions. And that's where that virtue signaling comes from is that these people think they have, good, like, in their mind and in their heart, they, they're like, I am doing the right thing. And I am standing for what's right, but they're actually being played against each other. And well, this is why it comes back to exactly what we were saying before, why it's so important who controls the information. Yes. Because if most people, like giving them the benefit of the doubt, we've got our puppeteers who are doing craziness and trying to move people into whatever way they want for money, for power, for whatever. And then you've got the people who are just living their life, trying to do the right thing. And we give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, then who who owns the information is actually like playing the yeah. The thing out, right? Because yeah. that is what determines what happens. Yeah. So if you have all the information, you could still probably make a post for your friends who are legitimately feeling that thing, you know, regardless, you got like the media, but then you have like an actual person that you feel care for. You're like, hey, I'm sorry that this is your reality. Like, I do care about this and I, I don't understand it because it's not my experience. And I'm standing with you. That is one that is good human things to do, right? Like yeah. to care about someone else's experience and try to understand it and like <clears throat> support them. But then if you think about who controls information, and I'm, this is not my expertise, but like if somebody is controlling and manipulating the information, then that whole reality could be wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, That that's the thing is that we assume that what we see on Instagram is what's actually happening in Israel. Have you, have you been to Israel in the last two months? I haven't. So who the fuck knows, right? And I'm, I'm sure there is an actual war going on, but are we getting oh, all the yeah. facts? I don't, I don't no, think there's we are. A, like we and said, are those two sides, the Israelis and the, the Palestinians, are they being played against each other? Very likely. Yeah. But that's the fog of war. I mean, that's the confusion. It's the fog of, of war, of but I think it's an intentionally... I think there's a puppet master somewhere. Well, it's like, do you know who Martin Luther is? Not MLK, but Martin Luther, the priest, preacher? Yes. Barely. So he, so before the Bible was completely written in, what was it, Latin, right? And he was maybe, God, 1500s. And the, the, the church completely, the church had all the power, right? And because if you can talk to God, you're a noble person, you should tell others how to live their life and stuff like that. And so the people could not read the Bible. So Martin Luther was a, a, a preacher, a priest. I, I, I don't know the correct terminology, but he transcribed all of uh, the Latin into the common English or text. Oh, and yeah. so the people could understand what was written in the Bible. And this was heresy to the church because now the word of God, any man can read and interpret. And so it's an interesting parallel of how people that 
have information or what they consider information or power don't want it to be seen by everyone. They want to control it and disseminate certain pieces to people to get them to go with the narrative or to follow along. I'm not saying that's what happens, but it's an interesting play of power and how people harness it, use it, you know, fuck other people over Mm -hmm. to use it. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes like, again, the, uh, the war in Ukraine and Russia right now, um, why is it that no? It's over with, though. Isn't it yeah. done now? It, I don't think it, it's it ended. over, over. Yeah, yeah, right. It, it we're, ended. We're it focusing ended. On, uh, Israel. Yeah. It, it ended. Well, no, no American or at least no Western media station will translate what Putin says in his speeches. Wouldn't you want to know what the opposition is saying? And why won't they translate his speeches? Have you ever wondered that? Like, yeah, I've never. He's, put- he's he's addressing his nation. I would like to know what he's saying. Why yeah. won't CBS or NBC or Fox or CNN or MSNBC, why won't they translate that speech and play it? Well, does everybody have access to it? I mean, other people no, speak you, Russian. Uh, I, 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 I have tried to find his speeches translated on the interwebs. I can't find them. I mean, you found them in Russian? No, because I was searching for an English oh. version. So I, I'm not even sure if you could find them in Russian. But I'd I'd yeah, like I'd to curious. I would like to hear what's being said in Russia. I'd like to know the other side. Yeah, it's a good point. I'd, and if even if you're staunchly against Russia, I'd like to hear what the enemy is saying. That that seems like a valuable uh, piece of knowledge. A, a couple of minutes ago, when we we're talking about all the BLM stuff, do you think all those riots would have happened if COVID wasn't? happening at the time i always think that everyone yes, because was they started in like 2016 in ferguson you had the ferguson stuff but then throughout that there was other people that were killed like the george floyd thing was a little more egregious like as a jujitsu well, practitioner it, was, it has watching, just recent very recently been acknowledged that he died of a fentanyl overdose like well he did fentanyl, he did a speedball behind the wheel isn't that why they pulled him out i don't but the well it was the coroner report was, I think, recently yeah, had, like corroborated by a second opinion or so that he did not die of suffocation. He died, well, he died of suffocation due to a fentanyl overdose, not due to pressure on, on the neck. Yeah, exactly. Also, as a jujitsu practitioner, it was just bad form, yeah. right? But do you think those riots would have happened if everyone wasn't locked in their house? I mean, everyone only had one thing to do, and it was make pasta ziti recipes you saw on instagram and follow what's culturally happening everyone yeah, was locked so. in. a lot of those anarchists are just looking for a reason to go fuck shit up yeah but it was everyone like you look at those right like the protests it was white people it was asian people it was brown people it was black people it was and to get everyone on board like that if everyone wasn't looking at their phone or locked at home with nothing to do i mean that they're like no gatherings unless you're going to protest. It, it, it certainly helps. And pe- like, what do they say? Idle hands are the devil's playthings. Yeah, playground. So I'm yeah. sure it helped, but a lot, I, I got to think a lot of those people were probably unemployed as it was. You know what I mean? Like, my friends from the job site, they weren't like, oh, hey, you know what? We're, uh, we're locked out of work right now, so we might as well go downtown and break some shit. <laughs> yeah, you know what sure. I mean? Most, <laughs> to be honest, most uh, most of the people I know are like, 
fuck yeah, they're closing the job site. We're swinging by the pot shop. We're swinging <laughs> we're by the liquor home. store, uh, yeah. and we're holding up in our house uh, for the yeah. next three weeks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, uh, that was a weird time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, everybody was looking at their phones 24-7, just waiting for updates. Yeah. Just anything to do. And so, yeah. again, if you control that stream of information going into, like, and where does everybody look? Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and then your ma- you know your mainstream media. I mean, so if you're controlling yeah. those few uh, uh, conduits, I mean, let's be real. They had trackers for each state yeah. that yeah. you could check daily with the number of COVID cases and the number of deaths. Yeah, yeah, like literal trackers, like a yeah. game. Yeah, and it is, it's so f- weird to me, like how fast things can turn in history. Like you'd think like maybe the fall of Rome, we kind of talk about that a lot on this podcast. Uh, not a lot, but we <laughs> mention it, but the fall of Rome, like you would think, Oh man, it must've taken forever to happen. But I think like certain things spark, like you look at how fast they're like, Hey man, all of a sudden police are bad. And now there's no cops. since like, wait, we went from a year or two ago to being like, hey, there's tons of cops. This is, you know, we got some homeless people to all of a sudden it's like all the cops are gone and now it's just like there's all these junkies and there's this crime. Then it's like, oh, we're kind of peaceful. We've had these wars, but now it's like now there's wars all the time. And it's like you're seeing your country get stretched so thin and it's like it makes me wonder how fragile like all of this really is and it's like what – Maybe we take it granted. uh, We do take it for granted. And it's been very nice. But just, it kind of scares me sometimes to think how quickly it could flip. it disintegrates quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's a theory out there, and I'm not sure that I buy into this one, that says, you know, you listen to, like, the Bill Gates and the Klaus Schwab's of the world, and they talk about depopulation. And so now that AI has reached a point of, or I should say AI and robotics, have reached a point of realization that this might be their push to actually eliminate most of the human population and create sort of a utopia for themselves where they are, where there's a very minimal number of humans alive on the planet and most of their needs are serviced by robots and AI. Well, I hope and not. now whether or not that's real, <laughs> like that one's pretty far out there, but at the same time, like they are starting World War Three. Like, World War Three has begun, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Like, everybody who's yelling about support uh, Ukraine and support Israel or support Palestine, shut the fuck up, because this is the beginning of World War Three. and if you're going to back one side or the other in this, you better be willing to send your kids off to war, and I'm not. And I think that unless, like, we've got maybe a year and a half before we're past the point of no return, maybe last, maybe six months. This is a quicker one. It, it's time for people to start making noise that they do not support these wars. Because um, this this one's going to be far more ugly than the war on terror. The war on terror was like a low simmer. This one's going to be fucking nasty. Well, we're getting, it's the globe. Yeah. It's, another, yeah. it's a world war. Like. Well, it's funny, somehow we got older. Like, if you think about it. Yeah. Because it's our generation yeah. that was at war for... What two like a decade and a two half? Decades. Two, two decades. decades. Two decades. Twenty, years. 20 decades. fucking years. But now it's like it's passed just enough. It's the military industrial complex. Yeah, though. they. They. I mean, it's what Eisenhower warned us about, and it's like the profiteering of war. The 
you dominate another country. Now you have your military bases. You have influence of commerce. You have trade. You have. You force them to use your U.S. dollar. Yeah. That that's the only, I, I've said it on this podcast before. Is the only thing we have exported recently, or I should say, the main the main export of the United States of America has been bullying of other countries to use our dollar. And then we sanction and tariff the shit out of them to make ourselves rich. Yeah. How old are and you guys? 43. 43. 40. I'm 40. in my prime, Christy. 40. So we're all basically the same age. So we all grew up right when September 11th happened. Yep. Yeah. And that was Senior our, whole, yeah. our whole like coming of age adult experience. Yeah. I mean, you went to war. Yeah. I mean, I was active duty. I have friends who, lots of friends who were in combat. It's. But then what would we get out, out of Afghanistan two years ago? Three? Yeah. Yeah, two yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's like they, they need to, holy shit, the cash, the cash cow dried up. We got to start another one. It's just, yeah, it's sad. It's sad to me that in a time when we're so technologically advanced, we have things like CRISPR. You can send men to the moon. Depends who you ask around here. <laughs> but you can send men to the moon. You can do all these things that used to kill people. Like, if you look at just... Cross, crossing a mountain pass used to kill people. Yeah. I can drive to eastern Washington in fucking three hours. Or just life expectancy because of child mortality. It's like we do all these phenomenal things, but we still have this chimpanzee ape mentality where it's like we don't realize we're all in this together, and so it's like conflict, conflict, conflict. And is it is that that's the... Do you think... So? Hang on, okay, hang on. So now I think that the whole point of social media has to prevent has been to prevent us from realizing we're all in this together because we go back to that that meme which is that the moment we all realize like we're the same all these all these people like the the Bidens the Obamas the the George Soroses they all lose their all their power goes away their power is all implied. We give it to them. We yeah. we allow them to stay in power by not doing anything. Well, it's like the Will moment- Smith's Independence Day. Remember, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he like he like makes that speech and like everybody comes together because the yeah. aliens are gonna fuck yeah. the whole world up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good Honestly, speech. That's, that's a really that's, good speech, Joe. Good point. That's kind of what everybody needs to realize is that there's this this level or um, this small group of elites who are pulling all the strings. And they're pitting everyone against each other. And the moment everybody just says, you know what, fuck it, we're not playing their games. Imagine if everybody just said, we're not paying taxes anymore. Yeah, but the, it's- the, the U.S. government would be fucking finished in 48 hours. Because they, they rely on you and I to produce so that they can have all their wealth. All of their wealth is taken from people like us who actually produce something of value. Yeah, but and is they it... Don't, hang on, sorry. I'm, a, I'm about to go on a fucking roll here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God damn it. I lost my... Uh, you messed it up. Yep. Go ahead. Mike. I put a nail on that tire. <laughs> uh, but is it the puppet masters are doing it, or is it it's the actual human nature and condition that's doing the, it? Because I, I think the they, puppet masters are playing to human nature. Yeah, because exactly. Because 
They're, they're, just, they're manipulating our human nature, which but is to fight. Social media has brought us closer. It does give you the ability to see people in other parts of the world. They experience joy and happiness like we do. They post pictures of their family. They post pictures of their hobbies, of the food they cook, of the things they enjoy, the music, the passion, the arts, the things that aid to a more... Uh, a more elevated life, right? But instead of focusing on that, someone a million miles around the globe has the same problems, has the same joys, has the same things in their life that I hold true and try and live my life. It's like, it's been more towards becoming a weapon where it's divisive instead of this thing that shows you how common you are to people around you it gets used to prove points or like the gang mentality or the mom mentality what if what if like this i think maybe human condition or the way societies are set up always needs something like that to pick on you mean well well it's both right like Religion could be that way too. Like it brings people together. There's connectedness. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's love. Good there's point. help. But then there's also manipulation and the bad stuff, right? So then there's like that. But that was used before social media. So yeah. that was the thing, right? It was like well, that was one of the main things for a really long time. So then you have all these things. The th- but maybe to bring us full circle, the I think that the real danger with social media is it's not that it's new that there's puppeteers. There's always been. It's not that there's new that we take advantage of well-meaning people and manipulate the masses, right? Been happening for a long time. Maybe at scale now. Yes. Yeah. I think the real problem, to circle back to what we originally started this conversation about, is the mind-numbing that's happening. And so yeah, social media may be the ultimate manipulator, but the real problem, I think, is that we have detached from each other mm. because of it. Uh, and so now, not only are we being man- potentially manipulated in the same old way that we always have been as humans, but we are m- we're numb. We're back to that cubicle scenario, right? Where that's you, what I'm saying. And that you know, that's an interesting point because you can scroll Instagram and you can go from like a dead twenty year old girl on the back of a fucking pickup truck <laughs> to liter- to your friend's <laughs> wedding in in one flick of a thumb. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Literally, like, here's Hamas dragging a dead Israeli girl around. Yeah. Scroll down two inches. Oh, here's here's my buddy got married. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's, or here's some puppies. Or, you oh, know what yeah. I mean? Scroll down again. Oh, here's a drone attack in uh, Ukraine. Scroll down. Like, hey, best day of my... You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. if we people aren't happy with their reality, then they're using the social media to escape it. Yes. So they're not happy in their relationship, their family, their job, whatever, their body... Like, then social media is an escape. And so then they're escaping to the phone, and it's numbing. And so I think that's the danger. Yeah. is like this is a new level of disconnected from It's kind of like the porn idea, where yes. it's like you see stuff that's not real reality. It's like hyped, you know, fantasy and stuff, and then people get the expectations or distortions of this is what love or connection is. It's like the... The social media is kind of like, it's friend porn. That's Maybe. a weird way of saying it. But you know what I mean? Like, this thing that you think brings you closer together, and this is what life's supposed to be like. I'm looking at their pictures. They're living the best life. I should be living my best life. Now I go to live my life, and it's like, well, it, does, it doesn't It does feel it, like it did 
online, you know, and you're kind of numbed from it because you're seeing all these other heightened experiences, but life is kind of bland sometimes. That's what the point of life in being a unique or it's, an it's extraordinary. Kind of bland. Yeah, yeah. That's why like extraordinary people, you, meet them and you try and stick with them because it's like life is usually mundane you're doing something out of the normal and that grabs my attention Mm -hmm. this is the least connected i've ever been for my phone since phones have been a thing and it's been intentional i I was just gonna say i will find myself in like slow moments at work reaching for my phone and i'm like i'll open it up and i'm like why did why did i do that what, what was I going for here? And it, so it's it's now that I've realized it, I, I catch myself and I'm like, shit, turn the screen back off, set it aside, and either find something productive to do or honestly just sit here with your thoughts for a minute and kind of filter See, but then process. it's like it's, there's no but, one but telling hang on, you a how lot to of people, use it. A lot of people probably don't get that moment of, like, catching themselves. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, I've, I've got three free minutes. Oh, let's open up my phone and scroll Whatever, Twitter or Instagram or whatever. But that phone can be a powerful tool. Like, Oh, I agree. Can, but, but honestly, but having a little bit of self-awareness and saying, yeah. you know what, just because I have three free minutes doesn't mean I need to look at my phone right now. I can kind of kick back. and. I think the phone's okay. It's the apps through which or the things you do on your phone. I mean, Jesus Christ, you could look up you know, learn quantum physics or you could look up language or you can listen to books. But most of what's easier to kill those three minutes is not engaging to your brain or to stimulate you. It's that numbing of just escape. And so where our phone is actually a tool, everyone just uses it as an escape pod from their daily life and their reality to check out just to feel, uh, I'm not working, I'm doing something right now that it's a little bit of pleasure. I'd rather be sleeping. Yeah, I I think because I've people have said many times, oh, like you shouldn't go look at your phone before bed, and never I never really cared to be honest. I was like, well, I'll do what I want, you know. I like scrolling, and then I'll fall asleep. And it's in this season that I've created buffers before I go to sleep intentionally, so that I can have a like a a routine for bed on purpose, like not just like a like brush my hair routine, but like a yeah. mental routine, like a mind body routine. Decompress, that's, yeah. 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 And I've intentionally been like, okay, phone is done. Like I'll look at it for the last time. I'll make sure my alarm set and I put it. And then it's, I have a good buffer, like probably 45 minutes. I've never had that before. That's good. And then in the morning, it's the same. Like I have a morning routine. Now, I've never had that before. I mean, like I've always got up and go to the gym and stuff like that, but like an actual time that's dedicated for me in the morning never had that and I don't mess with my phone like I might click tap it just to see the time but yeah. what's what's been funny is it was hard at first I would actually keep my phone near me because I wanted to like have it soon and then now I will go all the way till I walk into the gym and I haven't opened any of those apps and it's kind of amazing how that's working because I work for my phone. So I mean, my yeah, yeah, nutrition yeah. and fitness company is online. So everything I do is on social media. So in the middle of the day when I'm working, I'm on the phone the whole time. Um, but what I've noticed about like what you were saying and even the escapism is that two to three minutes, right? Is that when I'm not happy or I'm discontent or something's hurting or something, I definitely want to be in my phone. So if I'm like in an Uber and I am feeling not like something, I'll want to scroll my phone. The last thing I want to do is talk to the Uber driver. You know, I was just gonna say, if we're in an Uber, we're fucking hammered drunk. Let's <laughs> yeah. be honest. Yeah. But I've taken it like for travel. You know, sometimes uh, I'll okay. end up. But so the thing is, is like 
now I've all of a sudden just started. I mean, still. I like talking the, to the Uber drivers. Yeah, I'm still on my phone, but there's been times where I catch myself, where I'm like, I could just disconnect from all of you. We're in a waiting room, maybe at the doctor's office or something, yeah. and I don't want to talk to any of you because I don't want to because me. So I disconnect and I just start scrolling because that's better. Yeah. Or you don't. And you just look around yeah. and like you see people yeah. and you can see their eyes or you can see what's going on. Or you can see what's happening with the people over there. And that is new. And that sounds crazy. Yeah. 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 Pe- well, people watching is fun. And actually, sorry, I'm going to cut you off for good? just a sec. Because both of you guys were at that breathwork clinic like a month or two ago. And that was something that I don't know how I, I probably got onto Wim Hof just bullshitting with Greg or whatever. And uh, that that there's he has a very simple. It's his most rudimentary um, sort of process. Is it's 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 a three three times thirty breaths doing it correctly, and it makes like it makes you tingle all over, and you go through some breath holds, and it probably takes ten to twelve minutes, and at the end of it, you feel so fucking relaxed, and I and. To, to your point, Christy, that you're sort of entering a new season. I'm doing the same. And I've been making a point of every evening before I go to bed, making a few minutes to, to just go through that very basic routine. And that is what puts me to sleep and like kind of clears my mind and, and sets me straight, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely recommend anybody listening to this who doesn't know of Wim Hof to sort of Start doing your research, maybe read his book, but at the very least, you just go on YouTube and uh, search like Wim Hof breathing, and it pulls up a video that literally like walks you through that three reps of 30 breaths and a couple of breath holds at the end of each rep. And uh, I'm telling you, it can really like change your mentality. A good indicator for me of how your phone like just lets your mind wander and you're not really accomplishing anything is like once a year, I'll be like, you know what? I need to start reading before bed. I'm going to get 10 pages every night before bed. Dude, I make it two sentences in. Yeah. And it, yeah I yeah. mean, but you're not getting all that stimulation. Yes. And yeah. It's, Re- reading a real book at bedtime is the best. Yes. Yep. It, it puts you right. to. So I, you know, when I get in those modes, it's like I'm not accomplishing any reading. And so you're like, make it for the morning. And it's yeah. a very good way to wake up and stimulate your mind and kind of get it going. Yeah. I'm about to urinate in my ghee pants. Should we take a uh, <laughs> should we take a short break? Yeah. Sure. All right. All right. Cruising altitude, Mike. Pee break. <laughs> Both. 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 Okay. Um, we're talking about Christie's trip to Kiev and uh, the evils of social media. Hang on. But then Before, I want to talk about what we're bullshit. I want to talk one mic. more thing yeah, 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 yeah. about Kiev. Oh, okay. Okay. Thinking about myself as a 17 year old. Everything is so exciting and fun, but I'm halfway around the world. I want to find me a little Kiev girl with an yeah. accent. Did you find romance? Did I find at romance? 17? It's so funny that you say that. I think there was someone that I, it was a, it, nothing ever happened, not even a kiss, but it was definitely somebody that yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah of that, course. At, seven, at 17, someone winks yeah, at you and you're like, course. oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, she loves yeah. me. We're going to get married. Yep. Yeah. No, there yeah. definitely was somebody. But again, I, I, uh, Ukrainian? Uh huh. With an accent. Well, yeah, he didn't well, speak English. Did that make it? It always depends on the accent in my mind, but in general. <laughs> not like a harsh, <laughs> nasty, like, yeah. I don't think all accents are created equal. No. 
Um, but yeah, that's funny that you asked that. Yeah, yeah a little seventeen-year-old love interest. Because that was always the thing. You go on vacation. I remember as a kid, and it's like, oh yeah, summer, fifteen, sixteen, Every go to summer, go to, yeah, 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 go yeah. to summer you camp, need a fall girl. in love, yeah, and yeah, and it was just so like to think of going at that age, halfway around the world. It's like God, it would be fun. Just at, you're just so full of energy, that life force. Just everything's still new and exciting. It's like the person that's been through their fifth marriage it's like they don't get as excited meeting that person so i i just i kind of wonder funny yeah if you know oh you know it's a gr- even funnier is like okay think about going to summer camp and falling in love for four days mm. where is that girl now mm. yeah. do, do you even remember her name uh I mean, I didn't have a lot of summer camp loves. Did you? Yeah. Did you have a lot of summer <laughs> camps? We had all of them. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, <laughs> right there. Oh, dude, that's where you. Be, that's why this explains a lot, dude. And, this, and we're we're talking all of like a lot of holding hands. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 But I never even kissed one of them. Yeah. Well, see, that's the difference between you and I. But <laughs> summer camp was not it. But it was like I don't know. Like this is like fourth grade, fifth grade YMC. Or no, this must be middle school. It's got to be yeah, middle, middle school. Middle school is where, it, it, where it, it starts. Every to take good off. movie about that is middle school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it, yeah, that it was just it was a fun time. Do you think life. the Sandlot yeah. kids are elementary school? Were they middle school? They were like fifth grade, I think. Fifth That's, or sixth grade, right going there. right there, going yeah. into it. Because sixth grade, sixth grade, yeah, sixth is grade is where like sometimes. yeah. So Nathan is in sixth grade, and he will still. I'll be like. Yo, man, what's up with the cute girls at the school? He's like, there's none there. There's doing I'm not even. It's like, I, I finally got him to admit a little bit, you know what I mean, that he likes a few. And it's like, dude, why is this such a big deal? Yeah, but I also think it's like being in that group setting, like, it kind of affects other people. You know how they say when women are all together, they cycle and hook up together? I feel like when you have that many boys and girls, like, it's like sixth grade into seventh grade in like that second month of school and just it's like one guy goes into puberty and then oh, like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. two girls go into puberty it's like you know like everyone just goes off and it's like then, a chia pet yeah and i feel like it just it really drives like the group collective and then that middle school that's why like that's when you started having dances yeah you know oh, and it's yeah. like oh it's about to get X-rated. So over it's here. it's funny because middle school for Hang me. Hang on, were there dances in middle school? Yeah, oh, there yeah. definitely really? was dances. Fuck, I don't remember. <laughs> wow, I don't remember. Definitely. <laughs> so I remember the high school ones. Growing like in in elementary school, I was I know some girls say they're a tomboy, but there's there's tomboys and then there's like short hair, dressed like a boy tomboys, which yeah. was me, right? Yeah. So <laughs> like big giant, you know, jump rope for heart t-shirts and like the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the all, I would, and, and here's the thing, like, so this is why I'm sharing this because the funny middle school time frame is, so I, I had plenty of friends because I was good at sports and I liked baseball and stuff, but I dressed like a boy. I had a boy haircut. I wore like crazy homely clothes. That, that I just throw a wrench. Throw, you know, whatever. <laughs> and so I did not, boys did not like me like that. Yeah, Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah, they, yeah. they liked yeah. me, but they didn't like me like that. They wanted you on the dodgeball team. They did want me on the dodgeball team. I was good at dodgeball. Yeah. And so like, that's the thing. So it's funny because I kept this, I was, I, and my brother is two years younger than me, but we look a lot alike. Um, and then we looked like twins <laughs> and I played baseball, boys baseball until I was 12. And so 
What did you play? The, what position? Third base, second base. Okay. Shit. Yeah, either way. Hot corner. And I was like good at sports again, pre puberty, like boys' sports. I played, you know? And so then what? So it's funny. I was the only girl in the league. They would be confused and was like, is that a boy or a girl? You know, I could hear it behind me when I'd be at bat, you know? Um, but I went into seventh grade with that short haircut. When all that, it's whatever you were popping. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, one day I was like, I am not cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, I kind of, I was, I was fortunate enough to be, you know, like I didn't feel isolated or like a person. That, I had friends from sports, yeah. but all yeah, it dawned yeah. on me. I was like, but I, you're conscious of the other sex. I yes. think that's a very yeah. good point because, saying. like, I was as well, a kid. And also, also, just your social role amongst your own yeah. sex and your friends. Like, I know exactly what she's talking about. There is a moment where you become self-aware because elementary school kids really aren't that self-aware. They're just sort of like no, but their, you kind of get who's cool and what's happening, and you get, but you only care about it from. If for me, it was a the boys around me, what they thought of me. And I imagine it was kind of the girls caring about the girls around them. People seem more paired off. But when it was like seventh grade, I, I hundred percent hear you where you're like, Oh my God, <laughs> it's seventh grade. And none of these boys are looking at me. What the fuck? And that's when I would, I started to feel it too. It's like, Hey, that's a weird, hang on. I've never, you ever think about that transition from like fifth grade I got a pocket full of G.I. Joes and some matches, and I'm going to go set some shit on fire to, like, sixth grade. You're like, <laughs> Boobs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. But that, and, but you, and suddenly you're worried about what everybody thinks of you. And yeah. The girls, you know what I mean? That's the be Maybe that's the beginning of ego, like that yeah. sort of, like, idea. Of, but you're also awkward, too. Yeah. This time Because you, you haven't formed. The, you're like, oh, yeah. shit, what am I supposed to be? How am I, how am I supposed to be? It, it's interesting because... I mean, teaching kids class and knowing people. I mean, everyone's got kids here. Well, except for me. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying everyone else in front of me has kids. The other two people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting of the room. to see that time frame. Like, they're getting interested in others. They're very, they're becoming very self-aware of their status kind of in the world and how people see them like littler kids they just want to be around someone that's cool right like uncle bob's the coolest i'm gonna right. hang out yeah. but when it's like oh does uncle bob think i'm an adequate hunter or i you know that i help provide for this family they don't think in that more of a 3d thinking well and, and I, I think there's a moment that you become self-aware or self-conscious yeah and so i like, I distinctly remember. So this is the, these are, like, the moments that really stick out when you figure it out, you know? So it was right about that time period that um, other people, girls for Halloween, we just passed Halloween, would dress cute, right? They would dress in, I mean, I'm talking, That's like, holiday. still middle school, yeah. right? But, yeah. like, they still, it, they already figured it out, you know? <laughs> they're, the, <laughs> yeah. they're the cheerleaders and the, like, you know, sexy witch or whatever, yeah. right? Even as... In middle school? Yeah, even in middle school. Maybe not like, you know, the kind of, but they would still, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I, do you want to hear what I did? <laughs> this is uh, ridiculous. I got one of those. The clown? No. Hang on. <laughs> Similar. Sexy bullshit. Because yeah. you didn't, you didn't no. get the bullshit until you were like 16 or 17, yeah. right? I thought, this is a great idea. You know those big um, pumpkin trash bags <laughs> that you stuff leaves oh, with? Hell yeah, Christy. I cut legs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you did. I cut legs out of that trash bag and I stuffed it. <laughs> oh, and I made man. myself this trash. 
so funny. You should make a comedy movie about your childhood. I know. Trash bag pumpkin. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I want. <laughs> what grade was this? It was, it was, it had to be this, sixth grade. Oh, <laughs> this is, hang grade. on. This is about the time I think you told us that you got into doing magic shows yes. as well. And I was doing magic shows. This is all the same Christy. time Christy. that I just figured it out. <laughs> you barely made it out. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And Woo. I remember realizing that that was. Not the same uh, thing that everyone else is doing. I think you really joined the Navy to leave that town. To You're like, dude, out. I got to get out One of here. One other country. Oh, Kiev. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fucking sign me up. Well, I don't know. I, I that At the airport, what is this yeah. trash bag shaped like Ooh. pumpkin? Yeah, like, uh. It's funny, though, because you then you care, right? So then oh, you my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm still laughing about the trash bag. Uh, <laughs> I'm laughing about all of it. I forgot about that until, like, this moment. Holy Perfect. Shit. You what? should remember that. I, mean, I would love to see a picture of you with short <laughs> hair as a little pumpkin. Well, I, I have short out. hair pictures. I have a but lot as of the pumpkin outfit too. I don't know if I. Yeah, so <laughs> little shaved head looking like a pumpkin <laughs> stem. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what I did with the top of my head. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. And, but the, the, the funny thing too is like that's so innocent. Like. Yeah. You're yeah, still, it's there's a moment that you realize. And no, that no, so that, that was the end. That yeah. was the end of the true innocence is where you didn't care. You didn't care what anybody no. thought. You're doing a yeah. magic show and you're putting it on your fucking pumpkin. Trash <laughs> 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 pumpkin. <laughs> That's the title of the episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting on a magic show and you dressing your up like a pumpkin. Oh. Yeah. yeah, and when you, as a mom, I look at my kids and you want them to like keep that stuff, you know? Yeah. And then you're like, the coolest adults are the ones who keep some flavor of that, you know, and that's yeah. just who you they are. Yeah. Before, because as a woman, like, I rem or a girl then, I remember like, distinctly looking at the other girls and being like, they're wearing short shorts. My shorts are long because I just thought that was cool. Yeah. They're wearing short shorts. And yeah. I'm like, okay, so it's like the beginning of understanding like sexualization too, yeah. where I was like, huh. So like attention means short shorts. Or yeah. then you'd be like, okay, those girls are wearing like spaghetti string straps and I'm wearing a fucking <laughs> jump rope for heart t-shirt that goes down to my knees. <laughs> like, so you're like, huh. You know, and it wasn't just the clothes, it was the dynamic, right? Then you watch them start to interact with each other and it's like those people are doing the cool girl things, right? They're yes. being actually shitty to other people, so that's cool. So then you like start to learn those behaviors well, the, too. It's the big it's the first time you start to experience a pecking order. You know what I mean? So that's hard. So everybody's vying for their spot in the order. And there's people who are like, fuck it, I'll sit at the bottom and then there's a whole bunch of really competitive people and then there's all the flavors in between and yeah. that in between is where it gets, I think where it gets gnarly is because there's a lot of people don't want to compete to the high end, but they, they also don't want to get pushed all the way into the, the low end. Mm -hmm. And so in that middle space is where there's like this constant turmoil. Yeah. And, and, and I get, I, I almost had almost two experiences cause my like kind of like silly innocence of like the things that I just chose to do and who I was, I came back in eighth grade with long hair and like one of the best soccer players in the school. And so instantly yeah. changed. I yeah. instantly learned that it was how to be cool and like how to be in that pecking order. Like I instantly learned, you know, yeah. oh, this is attention yeah. um, from guys. And so it was like a funny thing to experience. Like, 
It is weird that in that time period, too, I feel like I remember growing up and a lot of people, it felt like, did reinvent themselves. Like, seventh grades, like, someone was this, and you're kind of like, they're weird. And then next year, it's like, oh, they look cool. They, they like, you know. They Come don't. back with the Jenkos. What are those pants? Jenkos? Hell yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> look at them. And those sweet Jenkos. One day you're man. a skater, and one day you're not. Like, yeah. There was Yeah, the there was things. an ability to change identity. Maybe like, so. if all of a sudden we came in and Greg's, like, giving him, I'm a farmer. He has overalls, <laughs> yeah. you know? No more working <laughs> out. Right. No. That's so fun uh, when you're It's young. hard to do when you're an older person, yeah. you know? Well, you also, like, you're at a point, it, by the time you're 40, it's less about what your style is and more about, like, all right, I already own these, so I don't have to go shopping for anything else. So this yeah. is what, you know what I mean? More and more I wear construction clothes. I have to have... Blue jeans for construction, and I find myself like, I'll swear my, I'll just wear my work jeans because I don't want to go fucking find a pair of pants. And so you stop carrying like, we've so, we're sort of at the end, probably mid thirties is the end of that pretense of what you want to present to the public, mm. and then you shift back into it's not the innocence of childhood, but it's more of that like I don't fucking care. Like maybe that's you though, because I think a lot of people just keep up with the like. Oh. So I, I feel like in Caring. the last seven to eight years, I've gone back to like, this is how I do it. This is what's comfortable to me. This is what I'm, I'm not actually interested in the look or the aesthetic. I'm, I'm interested in going and doing these activities. And if what I'm, yeah, the, 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 the posture of it, I guess, isn't interesting anymore. Yeah, I feel like my 20s and my 30s were really trying to figure out like my morals, my my thought pro, like what I think is a, what I think this world around me is, and why it is the way it is, and what are the morals, and what are the ethics, and what are what is a good way of living life, and how does this world work around me? And I think now I've kind of figured that out, and I kind of feel like in my forties, and as I get older, like what I want to focus on is being good. Now that I have an understanding of like the arrow I'm supposed to travel life in. Like, how do I get good at those things that I do in this life while traveling that path? Like, I've had all this time to get a basic understanding, but now how do I master it, you know? And I feel like that's kind of, like, the gift of ages. Like, you care so much, like, what do these people think? Like, the younger the younger kids they care about what they're wearing what the group thinks and like you're saying yes i and so that's what the younger years are is figuring out who you are why you are this way how you fit in this world why the world works this way what do you think your place is and how you can benefit from the world and contribute to it but then once you kind of get an understanding of who you are and where you sit in this place. It's like, well, now it's about me. That selfishness goes back to me, and now I really want to get good at the things on this journey of life. Yeah, so what you just said um, ties in really well to what we're talking about with uh, social media and how it's probably disrupted in a big way that process. You know what I mean? That process of coming of age finding your place in the pecking order, sort of establishing an identity. Because that's what, you know what I mean, what you guys are talking about, where you go from Jenko jeans one day to Wranglers and a big belt buckle the next. And it's like, 
you're just you're just trying on different costumes to see what you like and what fits because that's what your ego is your ego is a costume that you wear because you know it's sort of like what you want other people to see of you and how you want to think of yourself um and so what you were saying and how you you know sort of the process by which you arrive on the back like I, now i'm saying it, somewhere in your mid 30s you sort yeah. of arrive on the back end of that process where you're you're back to kind of like, I don't give a shit anymore. No. I have bigger fish to fry than like what people think of me. Um, fuck. Um, oh, son of a bitch. It's I just weird. went straight off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's hard. Let's see. Um, social media. Oh, sorry. Social media. So social media interrupted that process in a huge yeah. way to where instead of being influenced by a few actual friends or even like maybe people you fought with in the school, like, but true interhuman interactions. Now you're, now you're just being bombarded with influence from all kinds of crazy shit. Yeah. Just right. Stuff right, that doesn't all, matter. And, and at a very uh, fast pace. Yes. Just go, you know, go back to where I'm talking about scrolling from like uh, fighting in Gaza to yeah. fucking some chick sitting on a beach. Right. Yeah. And then back, you know, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Or funny me, or you know, stand-up comedy, uh, f- trench fighting in Ukraine, right? So it just interrupts that whole process of just kind of finding yourself. Yeah. Or do you even do? I wonder if a lot of people even do find themselves. Because I uh, don't think so. You know, it's interesting. I, I think, like I have no. like very defined seasons of my life. Like I spent my teens playing sports in high school. I spent my twenties fighting a war. I spent my 30s racing downhill mountain bikes. Go fucking figure. When I turned 40, I started jujitsu, and I've been at it up to now. Now I'm 43. You know what I mean? Like, this pattern sort of repeats. Like, you're sort of just defining yourself with various yeah. activities and friend groups and whatnot. Yeah. Challenges, circles, yeah. what it has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting, though, too. It's very rare that you find someone that's done one thing for, like, 60 years. You know, it's more likely you find people throughout life that's like, oh, I did this for 10 years and then this for 15 years. But to find someone that really sticks with a particular craft, it's like, is that people get bored and they're done with it? You know, is it you can learn pretty much everything you need in this amount of time, 15 years? What else are you going to learn? Or is it like people have short attention spans in that? And if you take that time, a whole life of mastering something, what does that do to that process of you and that understanding of like who you really are and how you fit in? You know, you're good at this one thing, but does that mean you're, you know, does your voice not count any more than someone else? Does a doctor, someone that can save lives, now do they have a higher voice than you do? But I think understanding who you are in that it takes the village. It's a common phrase, it takes a village. But it's like you need every person in here. And what you need is every person in this tribe being as good as they can be at that particular thing. So sometimes it's about jumping around. You have to jump around and try on these different hats and wear the Jenko jeans and then become the Wrangler. But it's like you're going through this process of growth. That's all this stuff is. We grow in jujitsu. We grow as children and men and women. But it's like to think growth ever stops. It's And that's I, I find that interesting that you ask that because this is something I think about all the time. 
like, cause I think about who I am all the time and like how I fit in this world and why I'm a weirdo and why I am the way I am and why I have the parents I do and why I was born in this state. You know, it's like, I constantly like, how did this fucking happen? I can't get over it. Yeah. I don't know. Did I have a point there? Probably uh, not. <laughs> I, I was waiting for it. Yeah. Probably not. Oh, um, that's the, well, that's another thing that crossed my mind too. Like, thinking about like why was i born in this state to these parents and uh take a hard right turn here but everybody, i'm gonna say white privilege yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody who is um again like super pro hamas or pro uh israel right now they're they're a lot of times it's along religious lines and then obviously look at the war on terror where it very much along religious lines and every time I deal with someone, like in the United States, primarily Christian, right? So when I talk to somebody who's devoutly Christian, it's like, man, you realize that it was a roll of the dice that you were born here. Mm-hmm. Had you been born in a different country, you would be devoutly something else. Yeah. And so this sort of like pompousness and self-assuredness that your God is the one true God and and that everybody else got it wrong. Yeah. It, it, to me, that seems more and more ridiculous. Yeah. Because, yeah. Also, doesn't it seem to think it, to me, it's more. I didn't, I didn't want to totally derail it off of that sort of like self-exploration conversation. No, but but it's part of self-exploration. All right, go for it. I think it's more badass to have polytheism, multiple gods, than monotheistic culture. Like, to be like there's one yeah, god. Yeah, want to have a god of war and a god of sex. And a, yeah, right? Dude, that shit is badass. I, I, because I identify that more. To be like, this is one guy and he knows all. It's like, we going to hang out and be bros? <laughs> Probably not if yeah. you're the divine. But if it's yeah. like, oh, like Thor's the, you know, yeah. lightning and you know, he has a few beers and gets a little weird. <laughs> this is Poseidon. He's got some cool tales about fishing. It's like, I can understand that. To me, having multiple gods seems way more exciting than having one god. Yeah, hmm, Maybe you get to decide. Yeah. I'd like to. I mean, I don't know. It's interesting that you're talking about <clears throat> the different seasons, because I thought I really thought about that this week. Um, I just turned forty a couple weeks ago, and so thanks. Um, but I thought about the twenties being sign of like I got to travel a lot in the military and do all of that. I had my first two children in my twenties and moved a lot. It was definitely maybe putting some pieces in, but it was more. I didn't know. I didn't know at all who I was to be yeah. honest. Um, and 30s, I feel like I, I figured some things out with my physical body. If I could, like, dedicate the decade of my 30s, it is to fitness, learning everything I can learn about that, and then doing it. And, like, getting there once and then having a baby, doing it again, like, that whole journey, that's my 30s. Other than, like, obviously raising my kids being, like, a primary part of yeah, my yeah. 30s. But it's like, as I got to the end of my 30s, I started to be like, what's... Like questioning things yeah. about who I was, what I was, my relationship. I got divorced this past year and like <clears throat> all of these things and really thinking like not not like it not like what's wrong with you because I didn't feel sad up until that point. I felt complacent and yeah. I felt certain things felt happy or 
joyful and meaningful, but in terms of the me, like that part didn't feel like it was thriving. And it wasn't, it didn't have anything to do with anything that was around me. Um, relationships, people, whatever. So it's funny because like as I, it wasn't, I didn't think about it at the time. It might have nothing to do with my actual age, but it's at the end of my 30s that I was like, huh, you know, I have done zippity zero self work on my actual self. Yeah. So like in the category of like, you know, self help or things, I've done lots of that because I like that stuff. Like we were talking about, I like to yeah. do hard things. You push yourself, whatever. Like I, I already liked doing those things. And so in some category that is like taking care of yourself, challenging yourself, like becoming a better self, right? That part is definitely a thing. But, like, the other part, like, the inner part of, like, figuring your own shit out and, like, doing any of that work, I had done nothing. And so yeah. I feel like this this step into my 40s is the beginning of that. Yeah. Like, a whole new chapter hmm. where it's just different. Yeah. Well, I'm in the same boat. So it kind of makes me wonder if that's not normal for people to spend their twenties and thirties, just sort of caught up in the rat race. And then you get spit out at the end of that 20 year block, like zero to 20, you're kind of growing up and then you spend 20 years in the rat race. And now here we are starting the third 20 year block, sort of a little wiser and a little more, you know, scarred up and beat up. Um, God dang it. (laughs) Second time. (laughs) Um, but I mean, if you're going into, <clears throat> like, if this is the next chapter and yeah. you're in that scene, but now I, I, sorry, I now I remember, are you now just finally aware of what you're looking for and where you're wanting to go? Cause I, I think I'm kind of like, I think it's, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think it's sort of dawning on me that like, Oh, now I know, now I know where I'm headed. Mm-hmm. I think it's for me. Yes, it's about where I'm headed, but it's more about like, well, how did I get into this place? And so when I think about that, even like when we're talking about um, <clears throat> being a kid and and like growing up and that like coming of age and things like that, like how many things along the way have we just let go of and given up on? And then how much like bullshit have we held on to instead and like replaced it? So, like, for example, like, I love my, <clears throat> I love my, my job. I made it for myself. I, it's my business. I love coaching. love helping people with their body and their nutrition. However, there's a huge part of me that loves the game of just helping more people, right? Like, mm-hmm. for, yes. for the game of it. Like, yeah. oh, like, I, I helped. I genuinely care and want to help. I love this job. But, like, that ego part of me that, like, wants to help 500 or a thousand. I could double this. Yeah. Right. Or when it comes to business, like I'm not really a money driven person, but I still want the game. Like I want to be that. It's nice to make money and share nice things. I'm not a money driven person, but I want a comfortable life. For sure. But I guess what I'm saying is, is that like this transitional season for me has been, I mean, it's just starting, I feel like, but it's more about like asking myself, which, which is me and which is like the parts of me that I've just adopted to please everyone else or to play a game that is not even real 
or to, you know, and so it's just more of like questioning things I feel like is what's happening. And so the, the working on myself part is more of an honest, like inward look at like who I am and who I want to be, but also what parts of me are just things that I either chose or allowed or adopted and that aren't serving me, aren't serving anyone around me. And then I've just kept them out of habit or because that's just what I've always done. And it's ironic because I've taught people about this for their bodies and their nutrition forever. Yeah. Like we do things that don't serve us. Why? Why would you do that to your body? You know, and you t- and you talk to somebody who doesn't quite get it, and you're yeah, like, "Why?" Last would- night was Halloween, <laughs> and there's so much fucking candy to be had. Yeah, yeah, so much candy. But we, you can in in some ways, in my mind, that was that made sense. So I'm like, yeah. why would you, why would you self sabotage yourself this way? Like, why can't? That, I never say this, but like in my head, it's like getting up in the morning to go to the gym is just something that you can create through different. Yeah. behavior strategies and prioritizing time, whatever it can be done. You can do it. There's nothing wrong with you. And so it's more helping people make those shifts. Right. But like the fact that they think that they can't, they're like, sure, they're never going to be a person that wakes up at four in the morning to go to the gym. I know that that's not true. I can see it in that category. But then when it comes to like inward looking at myself, the stories and the identities, the things that I put on myself, I can't see it. It's the same exact thing. I'm like, oh, I can't do that wall. Or like, I'm not a person who does this. Or like, I, uh, you know, it's all of that. It's so funny because again, like in the body category, that's been my my last decade. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like it's going to be about learning to be a better person like a better self and a more peaceful person and a more like more true. I, I think yes. I think true is the, the key word. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. But like the way you said that, you know, there's a lot of parallels between like doing good for your diet and then good doing well for your own well being. Like we're both going for the same goal, but sometimes it takes someone showing you, and that's why I think having good coaches, good mentors good community, having these tools around you, these people that can show you. It's like, it's nice if you can self-motivate, but it's like, cool. I'm self-motivated to build a rocket to go to the moon, Mm -hmm. but I don't, I I can do a lot of trial and error and I'm going to fuck up most of the time. And I might have a few little successes where I gain knowledge, but if I can have mentors and people teaching me and showing me approaches, right? So the more that you can hang out with people that kind of self-check in or... I don't know, just people that, it is a weird thing, this awareness thing. And I feel you do hit it a little bit later in life because 10-year chunks, I mean, every New Year's I kind of take an assessment. It's like I don't really set resolutions, but I kind of always do a mental check. And it's like, all right, where are you? How are you right now? Are you making the money you want? Are you doing the things you want? How do we progress this to where we want to be? Right. And then so then you take it into like 10 year chunks and you can look at what your 20s are and you can look at what your 30s are. And now it kind of gives you a little bit more direction into maybe what you want to do with your 40s because you've had these experiences. That is all that life is, is these experiences. And it's like 
Think of like shooting guns, like your 20s is your rear sight and your 30s is your front sight. So looking at this picture of life, you're wanting to try and line the two and try and establish a sight picture. And this is something that doesn't really get talked about, but it's it's true. It's like, what do you want? What brings you happiness? What is contentness? It What is fulfillment? And the and it's a lot of things and it's different for each person through the experiences and the traumas and the triumphs that you've had through life. But it, it's something that you should constantly reflect on. Did this just turn into a self-help PSA? <laughs> I, I don't know, but like uh, everything you're saying is ringing true. Like I am going through all of that right now. But so is everyone, right? I don't know Ev- that they are. I mean, I live a very happy, blessed I, life. I, honestly, I, I probably wasn't six months ago. I wasn't six months ago. Or three, ago. No, e- even three months ago. You were, I, you I just was, didn't realize. No, I, th- I think I was sort of asleep at the wheel. Yeah, but that's not realizing. Sleeping at the wheel is not realizing what's happening in the road in front of you. And it's easy to check out because life is difficult. Life is stressful. You add family, you add bills, you have job obligations, friend obligations. Most of that still remains, though. Right. I'm, but I'm just saying that like being aware of it though helps the whole situation. Well, the divorce is obviously like a life altering event that throws everything into chaos and disarray and forces you to look like examine everything you just talked about. Who am I? What am I doing? Where do I want to go? Is yeah. this where I want to be right now? Like it, it it really forces you to stop and look at that shit. Yeah. And so I am right in smack dab in the midst of it right now. But look at, like, laws. Like, look at the fire department. Every time they create a law, it's due to a tragedy of someone dying. Sure. Right? And you can say, as tragic as that is, it's also a blessing. Because that will stop how many more firefighters in the future from dying from making these mistakes. Our life is no other... It's no different. We're oh, going no, bro, to on. make mistakes it's and the, have... The worst thing about this is it took a divorce for me to see all the mistakes I made. Yeah. Now, the, and the sad thing is, I'll never make them again. But that's tragedy right? becomes triumph. Yeah. That's the beauty of life. That's why, like, the Buddha is a beautiful thing because as he gets enlightened, um, lotus flowers float or start growing behind them. And the lotus flower is kind of a representation in a lot of Eastern philosophy of something beautiful that comes from the mud pads. Like the mud pits is the only place that lotus grows from. And so it takes something disgusting, but through that dis- that horrible thing, beauty emerges. You get recognition of life and self and lessons. And it's not going to be pretty. The lessons you learn through war or through life are never are never easy. It's always a war. No, every good lesson learned is through something you fucked up. Yes. And it, and it hurts enough for you to be like, it hurts enough to put it deeply into your conscious. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, learning some lessons these last couple months. Sometimes misery is beauty too. Yeah, mm. I think though some people, and in, in I think, the only reason I say some people is because I'm completely 100% aware that I could have been some people. No. Just keep doing the same things. Yeah. And don't ever come to terms with who they are or what they are or what they want. Or, that. And, and that could easily be because it's an easier choice. 
Yeah. A lot of times. That's why the junkies in Seattle scare me. We talked a little earlier about pills. Not saying I have a pill problem or anything, but we were just talking about pills. But it's like, it is easy to be easy. It's nice to be lazy and do stuff. And it's like, uh, I could see a road. So if you have a great job that pays you a ton of money, a lot of people look at you and they're like, you're awesome. You're the dude, right? And like, maybe you have a, a wife and some kids and like obligations. And then you're a shell. Like yeah. What's oh, easier yeah. to stay the shell and keep all of those like things in place, those things that depend on you are move the way they're supposed to move. Even if they're like some of it's shit, some of it's great. It's just not yours. Right. Yeah. Like, but you're a shell. Yeah. Yeah. You have to disassemble all of that shit sometimes to be, to, to come to terms with that. And I think like, that's what's so painful. However that looks, I mean, I think some people it disintegrates into addiction, right. Or yeah. it can disintegrate into like, self-sabotage behavior. Some people are just sad. Some people are depressed. Some people make a shift and then find joy in those things. They don't have to disassemble it. They like figure shit out before it falls apart and then they decide this is what I want. And then other people, I think, make pivots that change the circumstance and some pieces come and some pieces stay. And so, but I think like it's very easy just to not do any of those things because a lot of those versions are hard. Yeah. And painful. Yeah. Well, I well think hang on. Because you just described what I'm going through right now. Um, and it, uh, shit. <laughs> three for three, boys. Um, boys and girls. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> that, that sort of uh, living for other people, like I, three months ago realized that I didn't really do much. I had two nights a week at jujitsu. And prior to that, I would ride my bike one day a week on the weekends, but it was all just supporting everybody else. Right. Like I don't particularly love electrical work. I just do it because it paid well and it had benefits and it's like, okay, that's what everybody needs. And then run around, you know what I mean? I have to be home this day at this time and run everybody here and do this and do that. Oh, this car doesn't work. Do, you know what I mean? Do all this sort of like husband chores. Yeah. And then at some point you realize, like, it, just like Christy said, it's just a sh- you're just a shell, and you're just doing what everybody else expects and needs, and you have no fucking clue who you are, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking weird. And then, like, to f- know who you are isn't just, like, some accidental moment. I feel like that's the other thing that I'm learning. Yeah, you're not going to get it the, in a moment. You're, right. The dedication of the decade of fitness and nutrition barely scratches the surface of a lifetime of fitness and nutrition, but it's like all of that work really to get what people understand to be like the thing. So what if this part is exactly the same, but like times 10. (laughs) So it's like to really actually become, you know, at peace and authentic to yourself and true and be able to show up that way and live in that space is going to take work and maybe it doesn't, you know, it's like a lifetime of work. And so maybe you feel relief or fulfillment or joy or whatever peace before that. Yeah. But then it doesn't go away. It's like the physical body part. People are like, well, what happens after I get there? I'm like, you just keep doing this. It's a lifestyle. It's not a, it's not so a short journey. Maybe that's that too. So the, you know, when you do make that pivot, whatever it looks like, or you come to terms with the fact that there are missing pieces and then you, you start to realize, well, those missing pieces aren't the problem. Like, I'm the problem. 
really, if you think about it, because it's you. Yeah. Like, had if you sh- showed up differently, that wouldn't even be your reality. That reality is what you created. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and yeah. so, ultimately, like, we have to recognize that that is um, the circumstances that we find ourselves in. We brought ourselves there. Yeah. So, then, when we get to work on, I don't know, and like I said, this is just the beginning for me, so I feel like I'm just scratching the surface, but to me, it becomes if you want something to be different and those things around you might not even be at fault, right? Is it the job's fault? The job that pays you the bunch of money that like maybe is kind of like surface level. You don't get any meaning out of it, but it does all the things, right? Like, is it the job's fault that you're not happy with it? Because the meaning isn't in the job anyway. You could be happy and be making a ton of money like from from a job that's surface level and does nothing. The problem is you, there's something that missing or some work that you haven't done or some piece of it that's like not there. So that's why the job sucks, you know, yeah. or maybe the job does suck, you know, yeah. and well, you're doing it and you don't like it. Like that's even worse. Right. But then the other, the other thing I've realized is that I could give a shit about the job, but I work with like four or five of my best friends. And so I've, I've sort of started reframing it as instead of, I need to get up and go to work. Like I'm gonna get up and go hang out with my buddies. Yeah. And a totally different uh, uh, mindset in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I don't mind sharing this. I mean, I don't know. But part of me getting divorced was not, was staying in something that, because my ex-husband's a nice man. He's a good man. He always did a good job taking care of us. Military, gone a lot. Um, So that did not help our relationship. But ultimately, like, no, it Dis- crushes. The military yeah. crushes marriages. And, and, I mean, we spent 10 of the last 15 years apart. So, if you want to know how divorce happens, that's how it happens. You grow apart. You live apart. But the, what I'm saying is is that I, although we did not have that, in, in my eyes, that connection, that relationship that we needed to have to have a happy, fulfilled marriage, and maybe it's the military for keeping us apart from most of it, we didn't have that, but I did not want to hurt him. I did not want to disrupt him. I did not want to disrupt the family. I did not want to cause pain. Yeah. And so I could have stayed in that much more comfortable situation in which everybody thinks, you know, oh, she's in a happy marriage. And how do they do it? Like military families get a lot of accolades for that too. Like, how do you do it? You know, yeah. easier yeah. to stay. How, how do you hang in there? Yeah. Easier to stay. For sure, times a million, than to be like, oh, I'm not happy. Let me disassemble my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Throw a disruption into everything. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, so I don't know. But it's like, well, what suffers most? You know, does does a marriage suffer more, or does someone inside suffer and get depressed? You know what I mean? It's like... At a certain point, I think all people have to be guilty of themselves, like, take themselves first before everyone else. I know it's so stupid and cliche, but it's like, how are you going to help someone else if you can't help yourself? But it's very true, because if we want to, if just doing this podcast, it's like, you want to do it Thursday? And it's like, yeah, let's do it Thursday. It's like, oh, actually, I'm not going to show up. I can't do it. You know? Yeah, he's addicted to pills. He can't do he the can't podcast, right? Yeah, right? So it's like, well, I thought it was gay sex on Wednesday. Well, that's what you do after the oh, pills. The, it's pills hanging. And it, it, was it anal nitrate? Yeah, yeah. The, it's a fun time though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he's getting another. He's dog. Got four dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But this takes it back maybe again to the evils of social media to where um, people are so bombarded by what they think life is supposed to be. Like you, you open up your Instagram again and it's like, oh, this is what happy life looks like. And I kind of arrived at the conclusion that the more people post about how good their marriage is, like if someone's constantly posting about how much they love their wife or husband, their marriage probably is not going well. And so the harder people front on social media, the more I think they're trying to make up for actual shortcomings in their own life. Um, I think that's what social media has. Another, another one of the evils it's created is this sort of like, well, we'll just create this fake life of pictures and captions and uh, we won't actually put time and effort. You're putting time and effort into likes instead of time and effort into each other. Yeah. Yeah, and it's escape. I mean, when we were talking about escapism, if you think about, say, 10 years ago for either one of us, maybe there was something wrong. Who knows, past trauma, whatever. We have something wrong, right? And what if at that moment you had addressed it or I had addressed it? How would we have shown up differently in our relationship? It would have been different, 100% for sure. But if you've got whatever you've got inside... And then you show, if you're having distance or disconnect in a relationship, well, then the easier thing is to disconnect. So it's easier to like put that attention somewhere else. And so now it might be social media, but it also could be a job. It could be like working on stuff. It's like, well, like, let me escape that instead of deal with the issue. So it's like you look back and it kind of makes you regret because you're like, had I worked on my shit 10 years ago or something that that relationship could have come out different. Yeah. But that's not how it works. Like you were saying, like at the end of the day, you don't learn until you learn. Yeah. Yeah. And so tragedy's beauty sometimes. Yeah. But now I've started to realize that, and maybe it's just becoming more aware is that there are people who are unaware and don't care. Right. They're not worried about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't care about being better in any category, really. Yeah. They're just doing their thing. Uh, Sleep of the wheel. Sure. And then there's the people who are suffering, yeah. and they haven't started uh, maybe either journey, either taking care of themselves on the inside or taking care of themselves on the outside. It could be either or, or it could be both, and they are suffering, yeah. and they're they're in pain. And, like, that is my new realization, is, like, those people walking around – who are carrying these like loads, whether again, the body stuff or it's this inside stuff. That is the people that I care about now. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'm like, Oh, like any knowing what that feels like. I'm like, Oh, I could just relieve a little bit of that for somebody in any category. I'm down for that. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't want to talk about it tonight, but we will in the future at some point. And like, coming to the realization that I have PTSD, like just in the last month, it it really is at some points, it's like a rucksack you can't put down. It's like a 75 pound pack and you can't take it off. And I said for 15 years, it's not me. I'm, I'm good. I didn't have any, I can't point to one particular event that would cause it. Like there was no one traumatic event. Um, but we, we did live under constant fear of death for long periods of time. And I actually, uh, I went to a vet center counselor and she had me add up the amount of time I spent actually in war zones. And it's like over four years. Yeah. Yeah. So over four years of time in country and 
never was I in a unit that was hanging out on the base. Like we were daily fucking running in the red. And so like just living under that level of stress and reaction and I'll, I'll, it's all very raw right now. So I'm not going to tell all the stories, but, uh, yeah, some of the realizations I've had in the last couple of months are just fucking wild. And if to, to Christie's point, I think there are a lot of people just walking around with that big ass seventy pound pack on, and they just don't know how to take it off. Yeah, I think that's. And sorry, Mike. No, go. I think I think where I'm at right now is I'm starting to figure out how to take it off. Yeah, yeah. It's our. I feel like all, like all of this is stress, right? Post-traumatic stress, stress of life, stress of family, stress of just your own personal thought and development and where you should be. But it's like uh, stress is like an engine to me. It's like it's revving up the RPMs, right? You get so like it just wears you out and everything's going so fast. And when you do maintenance, you have to shut the engine off, you know, and I think it's hard for people just in life to kind of shut the engine off and take an analysis of what's happening. Yeah. And it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't know any other way to put it, but it's, I people have to take time for themselves. Everyone has to, to that whole me time thing, dry yourself a bubble bath and, you know. I, I think it's more than just me time. I think it's, I think everybody needs to turn their fucking cell phone off and, take a little bit of like interpersonal but together. Time. That's what I mean. That me time to understand and to listen to you. Like we did that breast seminar and it's like when you really calm down the thoughts and the sounds yeah. and the influence, slow it all down. It really has a very impactful meaning. And so, I mean, I've had hippie parents growing up and weird stuff, but the things that I've kind of found the most through like, this kind of stuff is find stuff that puts you in awe, like find things for enjoyment that really like when you, instead of being like, wow, that's a crazy Instagram photo, be doing something. And it's like, Jesus Christ, this is beautiful. This is what people on Instagram want to see. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Do things that put yourself or like the jujitsu, like, what I get out of a six-minute match with a person, even like we went tonight, and then it's afterwards, it's like, dude, that was fucking nuts. You're getting so much better, and it's like you're moving around and you're stalling stuff on me. But it's like things that bring you closer, things that give you a reward. We went hunting recently, and it's like in my body, you don't have to tell me this is fun. It's like there's something rewarding right. about Elated being out the there time. and doing yeah. it. The, if sitting around the fire, it feels like there is something in my body that's supposed to do this. The grappling, the exercising, the foods we eat. The more you can put yourself in a stable connection, I think, with this world and the things around you that give you a sense of awe, raise the hair on your neck. I mean, that's what life is, and it helps tap you into who you are and why you are here. And It just, I guess, back to cell phones. Too much immersion, too much distraction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's a great note to end it on. Turn off your phone. Go connect with No, wait. Listen to this oh, episode and go. then right. turn your phone off. That's, well, we're, yeah. that's why we're ending it right here. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Right,